Hello, hello, and welcome to the Inglorious Pastors Podcast, where we talk about spirituality, news, and sending our thoughts and prayers to the president. What? No, no, we're, no not. we're not. We're not? Nope. But we should. Like, pray no, that he dies, no, or... no, fuck him. All right. Uh, my name stupid, is Michael. Play Bas- stupid games, win, win stupid prizes. prizes. My name is Michael Basinger. With me are Brad Polly. Hi. Matt Polly. Hi. <laughs> Together we are the Inglorious Bastards. Um, yeah. That's who we are. Uh, I forgot to write. Uh, <laughs> Brad's in a mood. <laughs> Clearly. Bubby's not on board. No. Um, what was what was we? I I announced something last time. Oh, presidential election night. Yeah, uh, the Pastors Distractathon, uh, distract-a-thon 2020. Uh, it's, it's coming up um, not soon enough. Um, God, seriously. So uh, it'll be on Facebook. So just between now and then, go and, and like our Facebook page, follow us, um, get alerts. I don't know how that works. Make sure you know that something's going on that night. Uh, don't have time yet. We'll figure it out. Um, yeah, let's just... Brad, what'd you have? Uh, what'd I have? When you got here. <clears throat> yeah, it took me about 20 minutes, 15 minutes to drink. Yeah, you, you um, downed it pretty quick. The Oktoberfest from, what's that place called? Edmunds Oast. Yeah. That's Brewing it. Company in Charleston. Yes. Sowing my wild oast, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and then I'm having the uh, Michter's 10-Year Rye, which is just, might be the best rye I've ever had, actually. It's pretty damn good, man. It is. It, yeah, I'd have to. to I'd have to compare it to other stuff, but it's it's pretty good. Michael, I, I drink the Oktoberfest from Revelry Brewing Company, and uh, where are these guys from? Charleston, Charleston South mm-hmm. Carolina. Uh, and then I'm also drinking. What is this? What? What was the bottle you gave me for this? I forget. Oh, Old Hamer. Old Hamer. Yeah, yeah. the cast strength. Yeah. So I from uh, Indianapolis. Yep. Yeah, I enjoy it. So. And then I had uh, from Charleston uh, the Munkle from Munkle Brewing Company, uh, the Bruges City Brune. It's their Belgian style brown ale. I bought it for the cans. Got a dog in a monk's hood, so um, I did it all for the. Can. It was it was really it was a really really good brown ale actually. I was pretty happy with it. And then I'm also having Old Carter bourbon. Old um, Carter. I haven't had that forever. I can't. Is that the most expensive bottle we've ever had? No, it's rare perfection, isn't it? Mm, that might have been Old Carter. Yeah, it might really? have been more. It was pretty damn close. Was it? And then I'm also having um, from Palmetto Brewing Company their downtown door knocker pineapple hazy IPA. Downtown. So. <laughs> Were you singing what that song? <laughs> downtown. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That's all I remember. <laughs> Downtown. Downtown. What song is that? I can't remember. I, I don't know. Let's 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 find Shit. it. Downtown. No, let's not find it. Yeah. No. Downtown. It's not Macklemore. Surely not. <laughs> Macklemore. Petula Clark. That sounds about Excuse right. Excuse me. Hold on. Oh, you playing it? Yeah. Start feeling all right. And oh, ask God damn it. When you're alone, oh, yeah. life is making you lonely. You can't always go. 
downtown. Ah, uh, Petula Clark. Old Petula. I wish you could see their faces when they sing that. The song came out three years ago. Most people don't know that. No, it fucking didn't. Oh. It's pretty new. Yeah. Top of the charts. Yeah. The lights are much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles. Forget all your cares. So go downtown. Things will be great when you're downtown. No final place for sure. You and you. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. What are we doing? I don't uh, know. Uh, what are we doing? I don't know. Did you talk about your drinks? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah. That's Brad. <laughs> you don't even want me to get started. Yeah, we do. Come on. Nah, go ahead. Nah, come on. Nah, go ahead. I think it's all going to be the same thing, right? I mean, we're living in a fascist dictatorship. Yeah. Like, there's no yeah. two ways around it. He's literally going to steal the fucking election. Yeah. They're already making plans. Yeah. They're already yeah. making plans, literally making plans to steal it, and there's yeah. nothing anybody can do to stop it. No. No, nothing anybody will do to stop it. We, but they, you can't. Other Congress is the only pl- people that could stop it. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen. No. No. So, yep. There you go. We live in a fascist dictatorship. Yep. Four more years, baby. Can't wait. Or well, who however knows? many more fucking years yeah. that he decides he wants to be president. Mm-hmm. So... If he even yeah. survives the next two weeks. Well, here's the that, hope. That motherfucker was gasping for air when he was standing just, on that balcony. You know, I, yeah. Infecting the entire White House. I tried to be like above board with all of it when it happened. And I just, no, I'm done. No, I'm done with it. You, yeah. You, you're stupid. You play, you win, you play stupid games. You win stupid prizes. Yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted, uh, some freaking right wing pundit tweeted today. Anybody else think it's weird that. Republicans are going down like crazy with this, but no Democrats are getting it. I fucking wonder why well, you yeah, dumb shit. They don't wear masks. God, none of them do. Inconceivable. God, one party's taking it seriously, the other isn't. Yeah. It's not hard. Well, and now they're now they're new. But she's they're, literally floating a conspiracy. Yeah. She's literally yeah. saying right there, there's a conspiracy theory that like yeah. Democrats are making Republicans sick or yeah. something. It's a Republican disease is what it is. Yeah, shit. I just i I can't. I can't. I, I just. I'm so it's, it's been, low and depressed, as depressed as I've ever been in my entire life. Yeah. And I can't, I don't have the money to fucking move. I don't have any job skills. Yeah. Like, I know. So I'm fucking stuck here in yeah. the middle of a dictatorship. Our pets' heads are falling off. Yep. Yeah, the new conspiracy is, uh, or their their new talking point is that Trump has, it, he, he got it for us. He got it because he, he wasn't well, scared. He, he, got he wasn't. It, he got it for us, but the new thing is yeah. that they're mocking Biden because he doesn't have it. Yeah. What? what? I saw a thing today where they're like, oh, he's he got it. He he wasn't scared of it. And he wanted to show America that he was not scared of it. So it's he cool got to it. pee your pants, guys. I'm just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, exactly. Yeah. Everybody's peeing their pants. Yeah. You know, it's just. Yeah, he said not to be afraid of it as I he's just, gasping and wheezing. I mean, for air. how fuck can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine how insulting that would have been to hear that from the president's voice? Yeah. When you have had a loved one die of this shit, yeah. fuck you, man! I know. Like just, just an inhuman mm-hmm. piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I just, I can't, no, I can't it's, anymore. It's, I mean, we're we've we've survived, sort of survived. Yeah, we're three not and a half years. I don't of this. think we're surviving this. I, he gets elected, reelected, we're done. It's yeah, it's over. Yeah, but like we, in the last month, 
we're going to just limp across the finish line. Enjoy like. your like, enjoy your vote for Joe Jorgensen, though. That'll be a, yeah. a nice throwaway. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. Yeah, like Michael said, if you're if you're voting third party this time around, you're fucking problematic. Yeah, and fuck you. You yeah. are problematic. So fuck your protest vote. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, this concludes. All right. Um, anybody got any poetry they want to read? Nah. All right. Not everything. Uh, meditation. Meditating with Gary Busey. Overthinking kills the magic. There actually is some truth to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I didn't think about this. Hmm. It's bright. Yeah. Always look You're listening to you look on the bright side yeah. with Mr. Brightside himself. Matt Polly. Hey. Always look on the light side of life. Michael, what are you doing? Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. So he's gonna do both of them every week. Yeah. He's not even playing the good part. He's just playing. If you're gonna at least do, at least cut it. (laughs) Turn it down, Michael. Jesus. God damn it. All right, go ahead. Always. Stop it. God. (laughs) Um. I don't know. No, it's. I mean, it was. There's it's, nothing bright. It's there been, is no bright side. No, nah, it's been fine. No, I mean, the world is fucked. Fine. We're fucked. Everybody's fucked. Uh, Brad and Mandy invited us over for or, uh, stew the other night. Ooh, what kind of stew? Hey, hmm? stew! Your red, red stew, stew, motherfucker! <laughs> I did it all day long. Oh yeah, Mandy was cooking it, and she was just like, "Dude, seriously!" Like, because every time she'd say the word <laughs> stew, I'd yell that, and she'd be like, "Dude, seriously! Like, what are you doing?" What it was fun. She was like, "It was funny." Like the first. Three or no, four it's times. funny every time. I would have laughed my ass off every time. Was it beef? I'm so annoying. God, we've been married almost 20 years. I don't know how how in the world she deals don't with me. Don't you be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me again? Shit. Veal stew? No, it was beef stew, okay. and it was delicious. You'll love this place. It's real fucked up. We make really good beef stew. Matt can attest. Yes, it was good. Nice. Anyway, they, Beth just texted me at work. It was, uh, was it Sunday or was it Saturday? Mm, when Saturday? was that? I feel like it was Saturday. No, Sunday. Was no. It? Was there football? On it was TV? Sunday. It was yeah, Sunday. it was Sunday. Yeah, anyway, there was football. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Sunday, Beth is like, uh, "Brad Manny's for stew for dinner." Oh, okay, <laughs> cool. We, we make it like we, we always. Anytime we make a soup, we just make way too much. Like, there's just yeah. no way around it. And it was like, okay, well, let's see. If I don't know. It's just been over. like we've just been hanging out a lot and just coming down for dinner and like. And it's all been like and, pretty impromptu, which yeah, is kind of nice, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's really nice. So can't see your face. That's all right, buddy. Anyway, it was so that was nice. Can you yeah. unplug that? Why? So so I can see Matt's beautiful but I like face. That light. Well, then push it towards yourself. No, I don't want to push it toward myself. God damn it's it! It's fine where it is. It's I can't look at Matt without getting. Why would you want to look at Matt? Ah, good point. All right, thank whatever. you. It's hard to say. I mean, fuck it. We'll do it live. All right, what are we doing, <laughs> Michael? What do you got? Uh, bright side. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, it was my birthday. Oh, I do have a bright side. My my. Uh, You're thirty six. Thirty seven. Seven. Damn it! I, I never. Like, I can I'm, fucking. I'm, well, no. Never, was asked. She's like, how I old can is never Michael? Like, your it's either thirty six or thirty seven. I'm, I'm officially in my my late thirties. Uh, I can't say mid thirties. I've literally thought you were thirty six for the last four years. So I have I, no idea how old you are. That would mean you would be forty. I, I seriously. Well, no, I. No. I seriously had the same problem, so it felt. I yeah, felt you did tell me like your day. You're like, I don't, know. I don't I'm really remember what hell old I am. Yep, so. I'll have to figure break, it out. Break the old abacus. COVID has just fucked everything. Like I, it has. I can't. Re- I don't know what day it is. I don't know what month no. it is. I can't tell you how many mornings now that I wake up and I literally have to s- lay there for a second and go. What day? What? Is di- what? Am I, I working know. today? What I is know. happening? Like I, I literally have no Who clue. Who am I? Anyway, so uh, my. My um, in-laws and my uh, sister-in-law came over, and she made uh, tres leches last night, and it was... That means the three leches. I love it. Tres leches cake. It's so good. It means the three so, leches cake. And I got her recipe, so I will be making that from here on out till eternity. You have never had that. That's like your favorite cake. It's I'd never, so good. You get it any time. I brought it here several cake. times. I don't think I've ever eaten it. God damn it. You have? Yes. I brought it to this house at least twice. Mm, yes. Bad. At least twice. Because bullshit. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it definitely has happened because I had to go to fucking Kroger and Bloomington to get them because they're the only place I could get it. Jury still. But now I know that. how to make it. So, well, fucking bring one. Well, it takes time. We do fat pastors bring that shit. Well, all right. We'll three late chase One day, whenever I don't have, whenever I'm dead, I'll do it. What? Whenever I don't have the, any work, but. Does that it mean the like three a, milks? Man. Yeah. It really sounds better in Spanish. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It really, yeah. yeah. It's got goat milk. It's the three milks. Beef milk and cat milk. Beef milk. <laughs> well, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. The, the three milks. <laughs> Beef milk. God, that that's the hashtag. We're not even gonna do hashtags at the end. That's the hashtag. All right, um, what are we doing? What, do I not get to go, motherfucker? What, what's your what do you what? What's I'm going on vacation next week. Yeah, I have a vacation. You, so next you're going week. to we? Uh, so okay. So, this, so there's a thing in our family we call Polly's Law because we have the worst. Black told him throwing blood and urine. In. Sorry, we have the worst luck ever. Was the wrong one. as a family. Yeah, like totally. And uh, Mandy and I had planned this trip uh, because we just we love my kids. Got to got to get, get away, away from, from my kids. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. Oh, so your like, kids aren't going. Fuck. No. Oh, thank God for that. So we had a, a couple months ago. We had con- we were like, we need to we need to go somewhere. OK, so fun. We were supposed to go to Disney. Yeah. Next week. Like we had planned that. That's been planned for about a year. That and was a the half. kids Christmas gift last year. Yeah, It's been planned for like a year yeah. and a half. Uh, well, COVID hit and Disney's a fucking hellscape and you can't do anything. Yeah. And so we're like, we're not going to pay thousands of dollars yeah. to not be able to have like the full Disney experience. So we're moving that to maybe like next year. Who knows? And so maybe anyway, <laughs> so we had this week open and I'm still taking vacation cause I don't like my job anymore. But like, yeah. uh, that's a whole other issue. Um, and uh, so anyway, we decided we were like, let's let's think of a city we haven't been to that we've wanted to always right. wanted to visit. So we we're like, New Orleans, fucking a man, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Like, I love I'm it. a I, I'm a foodie person. So like, anytime, like all I think about when we're like, where should we go? I'm like, food. I wanted to go a place with good food. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Like I'm automatically so, thinking of the food. Else. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we 
we had planned New Orleans. So we got we bought our plane tickets. We like got our Airbnb, and there's a goddamn. We're supposed to leave fly out Monday morning. There's a fucking hurricane. Yeah. Yes, hurricane by Bob Dylan. Yes, a hurricane. Yeah. Hitting this weekend, directly a, like in a big New Orleans. Category four. Directly in yeah. New Orleans. So we had to cancel that yesterday. Ate a bunch of fucking fees. Oh, jeez. Man, um, fuck those people. So we might be able to get our Airbnb back, all of it. Probably not, but maybe. Um, so we we actually were able to get flight vouchers, and then we got, we're like, well, maybe we'll go to Austin, Texas. We've always wanted to go there. And the tickets now, because we're like less than yeah. a week away, Yeah, it ain't happening. Yeah. Like, you're literally looking at almost $1,000 for yeah. us to fly down there. So you're going to Branson. No, it's no one <laughs> fucking going. Fuck off with Branson. Hey, you should go to Branson. God. They have magic. They have Branson's shows. like their motto is like Pigeon Forge, but worse. They've got the Bass Pro Shop, one of the biggest ones. Pigeon Forge with more. They've humidity. also have the um, Precious Moments is nearby. Pigeon the Forge without the mountains. Precious Moments Chapel. You go see all the, the Precious Mo- Precious Moments. Me, man. I've been I, there you could times not. Before. You could not fucking pay me to go to Branson. No, not they have an IMAX. No. Michael, stop it. At least with Gatlinburg so we and had, Pigeon Forge, you could hike in the Smoky Mountain yeah, National Park. Yeah, like, you can pretend you were somewhere else yes. other than a tourist trap. They've got, they've got hell. tributaries. Stop it. So, Michael, any, so you need prefaces. Brad's talking to us the other night about where he might go. I'm just and, trying to sell Branson. And Michael keeps yeah, trying you're to not sell, Branson. sell Branson. Go to Branson. I'm, I'm not going, going to Branson. Go to Branson. Give me a timeshare to Branson. I'm not Wayne Newton. I'm not going to fucking Branson. So anyway, uh, they don't have Wayne Newton. They have Biff Newton. <laughs> Biff Newton. <laughs> His brother. Fig, Fig Newton. Yeah. Just second cousin. <laughs> yeah. Biff Newton. Um, so... Anyway, we're like, well, let's let's we're still going to go somewhere. Let's just dr- go somewhere that's within driving distance that we don't have to waste an entire day driving. Yeah. So something within six, seven hours yeah. or whatever. And we're like, fuck it. Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's literally like one of the top 10 food destinations in the country. Yeah. Nice. And it's like and we've got we're it's gonna, not that far. Six and a half hours. Jeez. I know. I, saw, I thought it, it was farther. You just drive across Ohio. And I right really, there. honest to God, thought it was really? thought it was yeah. a lot further away. No. Yeah, I did. I was surprised. I got on Google and it was like, huh. Beth grew up like forty five minutes from Pittsburgh, where she lives. There are days like, of work where I drive more than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like six yep. hours. Eh. Yeah. Anyway, so we're going to meet up with some turds. Yeah. Some of our supporters. Nice. Uh, that live in the area, and we've got a bunch of stuff we're going to do. Like we're. We're pretty boring people, so like I don't need like we the cheapest tickets we found were to Vegas. I have fucking no interest in ever Nothing. going to Las I have Vegas. No, none. 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 Have you been before? No, I don't That's give a fun. shit. I don't fucking care. Like it's I fun. told because I told Manny, I'm like I don't like what is there to do but gamble. I don't want to gamble for three days. Like I'm fine strip with going clubs. to a casino for nah. a couple hours here and there. I've never been to a like, strip club there. I just have no interest. It, and neither it's fun. does she. she it's, it's bright. It's That's pretty. fine. If you it's like shiny. it, if people like Vegas, fine. It's just not our scene. And so, anyway, so it, we're just boring people in Pittsburgh. It's fucking boring. But who cares? Like, there's stuff, but <laughs> there's stuff to do. There's good restaurants. There's yeah. shops. There's there's museums. Uh, museums. Like, we're we're just gonna go and we're gonna we're gonna not have our children. Yeah. Once again, not a, not an indictment on my children. Yeah. Love my children. Gotta get away from my children, man. Yeah, Brad, Brad, three days later. We need rest. The spirit is yeah, willing, wow. but the flesh is spongy. There is bruised. that. Yeah. 
I'm already a hard spanking yeah. is in order. Bought some horny goat Do weed I. from the uh, gas station. Did today. you really? No, horny goat weed. <laughs> Been pent up during COVID for the last eight months. You think I you need that? Yeah, probably not. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's that's a um, not that anybody gives a shit. I won't be here next week, so yeah. Um, but anyway, I give a shit. Well, nobody, none of our listeners. Yeah, they do. No, they yeah, they we had do. a funeral for you once. Who gives a shit? Nobody cares. Anyway, so that's my that's my bright side. I'm really looking forward to yeah, just be good. a road trip with my wife. We'll go eat some good food. We'll just go see You're some. You're not fucking working. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. It, it's just, yeah. That can't be overstated. Yeah, <laughs> like no, I really can't because not, not, not working, enjoying, not, not enjoying kids. my work right no, now. You're not. So. <sighs> In fact, that's re- one of the biggest reasons I wasn't on the interview tonight. Yeah. I was at yeah. home as depressed as I've ever been in my life. Yeah. So, what, anyway. What, what, are we done with this segment? Yeah. Sure. All right. Let's do uh, music time. Music time. <laughs> We're going to sing some songs. Just as a tribute, uh, we lost a guitar legend today. Mm. Her? Yeah. Eddie, I've never Eddie been a Van big Halen. Van Halen fan. But the dude can play the fucking guitar. The dude's undeniably it's incredible. Yeah. Dude. I watched it. Yeah, like, there was a clip of it. insane. One of the best rock guitarists ever. His tone was different. Th- I mean, you yeah. know a Van Halen song when you hear yeah. it. Like, you do. Just inc- so fast. It is. So technical. Anyway. Yeah. R.I.P. to Eddie. Yeah. It was a legend. 2020, go fuck yourself. I, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, fuck straight off, and then God once damn. you fucked off, keep going and keep fucking off God. forever. Yeah, Brad, what God, do you um, is that all you've got? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm going to play yet. Um, Jonesy's new album. Yeah, it's incredible. Cigarettes, absolutely my favorite band ever. Yep. I've seen them in concert twice. Yep. They were fucking ridiculous both times. Yep. Um, Jonesy's the lead lead singer. Of cigarettes that apparently probably doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I don't know. We'll um, turns out their guitar, or their uh, drummer's a bit of a creep, and they kicked him out of the band. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, he just put out his second solo album, and it's called Shiver. This is the song Wild Eye. Yeah, that's what I was going to play too. what time signature that's in but it's nothing normal no yeah so i just love him man like cigarettes nice. is just i still listen to him a lot today I did when i was pissed off on my way they're perfect for any mood they like, are they just yeah. like there's times there's there are albums they a couple of their albums that i will listen to when i'm really happy mm-hmm. and there's 
al- albums mm-hmm. I will listen to like today when I was not happy, mm-hmm. and it always fits. There's it always fits. something that mm-hmm. I can I can listen yep. to. So, yeah, fucking Jonesy, man. Yeah. Um. Okay, I've only listened to this album one time. So I don't know. I'm just gonna go with like the second track, just because my first my first album is gonna be called Pea Shivers. That's gonna be, <laughs> it's gonna be a cover of that song, Michael and the Pea Shivers. Yeah. <laughs> Michael. The album's P- just called <laughs> No Michael Pea Shivers. The album's called Shake It More Than Once. Yeah. <laughs> first song playing with it. Yeah. <laughs> second song stain my pants. Still one of my favorite <laughs> memories of my late grandfather. We were shaking more than peeing next to each other somewhere in a year in Papa? urinals. No, grandpa. And it was so like, I mean, he was kind of a jokester and sarcastic anyway, but like, it was just, this is a little out of character. He was also mm-hmm. like a deeply Christian man, yeah. like in everything that goes with that, including the not so overt races or no, so subversive anyway, racism. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we were standing peeing in urinals next to each other. I think at a ball game or something. <laughs> and he just goes almost out of the blue. You shake it more than three times, you're playing with it. And that was like it. That was all he said. It was just like, huh, yeah, well. Yeah. I remember one of my first youth pastors saying in the year in a while we were peeing, um, I'd rather be pissed off than to be pissed on. And then pretended like he was going to pee on me. <laughs> God damn it. It wasn't me, was it? No, it wasn't okay. you. I don't remember that. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> so this is a, an artist from uh, Mali, M-A-L-I. Country. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, his name is Afel Bo- Afel Bokum. Um, the album is Linde. Like I said, I've only listened to it once, but it's like it's classified world music, but it's <laughs> Latin, Bulgarian, Bulgarian whatever is trendy that week. Yeah. Uh, that was a setup for you. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's a guitarist, vocalist. It's just I don't know. It's just I I really I kind of listened to his background and was like, oh, this is really interesting. So I'm just gonna, I I like I said I couldn't pick out a song at this point. I'm just going to play one. So. Uh, this is the second song, Bombolo Lillo. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real slammer. If my really your, your laptop does this every Apple every Music. Week. Oh, it's in whatever language. Yeah. Where the fuck did you find this? I don't know. Pitchfork, probably. Bandcamp. I don't know. He, heads his, he hangs his head in shame. Pitchfork, probably. There's just African rhythms and like, I mean, just. Oh, I kind of like that. It's, it's, it's a little nice. bit of that beats a little reggae, a little reggae but it's the whole album just really. Yeah. It's it's worth listening to, man. It's just okay. it's just worth sort of. Yeah. There's some pretty talented guitar work on it, so it's just something different than what yep. I usually listen to. So I, like I kind of, I kind of dug it a little bit. Noise, so. yeah, Michael. Noise. Um, okay, so um, I've been listening to this for the last few weeks. Um, it's uh, I don't really know what to classify this music as. It's, it's out of Epitaph, which is traditionally like a punk uh, label, um, but it's definitely not punk. Um, it's kind of like a, not mumble rap, because it's not rap, it's like mumble singing, if you will. Is this what you played for me? Yeah, I played for you. It's, okay, it's like called... Like Mongolian throat singing? No. Uh, it <laughs> is... <laughs> the artist... It's all one word. 
That's a didgeridoo. That's a didgeridoo, yeah. Pretty good one, though, right? That is not, not a bad yeah. didgeridoo. Yeah, thank you. The artist the is all one. I mean, it's fine. All one word. It's uh, Gucci High Waters <laughs> is, the, is yeah. the artist. All one word, Gucci High Waters. So uh, this is the song called Expectations. Actually, I wouldn't have either. More money than us, it wasn't giving it up. I know you lose so much, I just had to follow it up. Expectation, I'm waiting for you to tell me I made it up to you. Does he remind me of like Mac Miller a little bit, like that style? A little bit, a little bit. I like that. Yeah. A little RB, a little, little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Play one more from him. Um, song's called I'm So Sick of This. Same. Yeah, just whatever this is, I'm I, sick of it. I'm over it. <laughs> Define this. It doesn't matter. Right. What's wrong? What's right? I'm about to take a flight. Like, should I say goodbye? Fuck that. I'ma hold on to my pride. My is a soldier, so I can't afford to cry. Looking back, I see the knife in my back now. It's definitely Looking mumble rapish. Yeah. I was in the background. Looking back, I see the future in the past now. Not even the whip life. Should I fucking crash? Now? I'm so sick of this. I'm so sick of shit. Nobody listening. Demons all around me. Don't let's wedge yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, Enjoy it. He's got another song called it. Oh Fuck I'm Drunk. It's pretty good too. <laughs> so, yeah. That's I got a song from a new band here. Oh, okay. <laughs> just close your eyes and listen. This is new, isn't it? I don't think I've heard this before. Yeah, it's new. It must just come out. I feel the spirit tonight. Just a sitting girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going there. Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit <laughs> He took the midnight train going anywhere <laughs> That song slaps. Don't even add I've me. got I've got one. I got a new if one. If you if Anybody that tells me that they don't sing that song at the top of their lungs and they They're hear it a liar. is a liar. You're a goddamn you liar. Have, yeah. You have absolutely have to. Or this one. I have a theory that the reason Glee is successful is because of that song. <laughs> Probably. Fight me. I mean, it's the, it's the it's one of the most Dude, play. Oh, my God. Your computer sucks. What the? Did you defrag all the porn out of the hard drive? And it was. Oh, yeah. If you don't sing this song. You're a communist or a cop. <laughs> You're either a communist You're or a, a cop. cop. Well, what's the difference? <laughs> no. 
Wait, was that the song? <laughs> Play it backwards. No, we're falling. Made you feel it should have been gone. Have it rolling. Worlds of steel. Oh, I must have been a dreamer. A dreamer. <laughs> and I must have been so this song fucking rules, man. I don't care. Journey was a hit machine. This is just Steve Perry. Oh, sharing all along. Hold on. Hold on. Boy, nobody can hit those with God Steve Perry. Damn, dude. Seriously. <laughs> That's like Chris Tomlin levels of shit housery. <laughs> Convinced Chris Tomlin as a eunuch. Uh. Um, okay, hey, Steve. He's Christian Steve Perry. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, since we're doing eight songs this week, uh, somebody sent me this. And it's, been, it's been it's been on my my list of songs to play for a while. Uh, Michelle White sent me this. Uh, yeah, Her? Yeah, yeah. So here it is. Between the Cheeks. So. <laughs> the album is called Blood Bagel. Oh, oh my God. Good. In the, God. Yeah, the album artwork is a bloody Jesus bagel. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Boy, that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> not, not subtle. Well, well if we're going to play butt songs. Right. This is doing the butt. How did this song end up on the radio? I mean, seriously. This is a we banger. Were kids. I don't know. I know. We were it's kids. Doing, I was like in middle school. This is at roller skating rinks. Yeah. Yeah. I was probably hey, hey. I was probably ten years hey, old hey, at the roller hey, rink hey. singing "Doing the Butt." Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? God, man. 
We probably heard this song on the radio with Mom after Dad. church yeah. on the way to lunch. Casey's top 40. You know it was on there. God. All right, turn this shit off. All right, turn this shit off. God damn it. God. Doing the butt. You know, like the early Doing 90s, was just like, we're butt. just going to take subtlety and we're going to throw it out the window and we're just going to say what we're... I blame Belle Bib DeVoe. I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do me. Not <laughs> subtle. No. And pretty gross, actually. <laughs> yeah. Michael, what are you doing? Get off your phone. Hey, look who's talking, you fucker. You Am I on my phone right now? Nine times out of ten, Eat you dick. are. dick. Yeah. What are you doing? I'm just checking Facebook. Oh, my People God. are saying about the walking dead. Andrew uh, Tuzinski said. About the walking said, dead. Hit the um, news feed so I, that story or song, Michael, or I will. Hit the freaking, hit the button, Michael. I will hit the button. Lock up your fears, dry all your tears, refill your fears. We're headed into the news feed. Uh, parrots in wildlife park moved after swearing at visitors. <laughs> I love parrots when they do shit. Like oh, parrots! This, this is in London. <clears throat> Five parrots have been removed from public view at a British wildlife park after they started swearing at customers. The foul-mouthed birds were split up after they launched a number of different expletives at visitors and staff just days after being donated to Lincolnshire Wildlife Park in Eastern England. It just went ballistic. They were all swearing. The venue's chief executive, Steve Nichols, told CNN Travel on Tuesday. We were a little concerned about the children. I get called a fat twat every time I walk past. (laughs) (laughs) They literally, within a very short period of time, started swearing at each other. Nichols said, fuck off is the most common one, he explained. It's a very easy one. It's a very easy one for them to learn, but the birds would other any. Quote anything you could think of. Wow. It said that the customers and most customers enjoyed it once they were displayed. The visitors were giving them as much back as they were giving to them, Nichols said. (laughs) I love that so much. You fat twat. (laughs) Oh my God. So, fun fact I had a Friend from ministry days way back in the day that was he is he still is, I think, the uh general manager of the Harley Davidson dealership in Bloomington. And they have a parrot. Yeah. And that one you would walk by and it'd go, Fuck off. Fuck it's off. It's amazing. At one point, like they Fuck would occasionally off. let it out of its cage and it would literally just walk around the store. And I was walking with him one day and it was literally walking behind just going, Fuck off. Fuck off. That's amazing. I mean, it literally was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Oh, so yeah, anyway. Nice. Cussing cussing birds. Um People notice that this hacked sign in Denver spreads anti-police and anti-Karen oh, messages. It's so good. So someone got their hands on Denver's LED road signs and changed the messages a bit. Apparently those are really easy to hack into. This happens mm-hmm. every once in a while. Yeah. So the messages that they put up were um, uh, all cops have small peepees, uh, <laughs> fuck the feds, and don't be a cunt, Karen. <laughs> all cops have small peepees. Yep. The fact they use the word peepees, <laughs> fantastic. I know. So, so Sometimes subtlety is the funniest it, thing. It was met with um, mixed reviews. Of course, well, of you course. Had the people like, Ooh, the abuse of police is wrong. 
Okay. Yeah, you know what else is wrong? Them shooting black people for no fucking reason. Like so. if you can't, if you're a cop and you can't walk by that and, and laugh, laugh your ass off. Yeah. It's funny. Grow up. Like, it's just, just fucking funny. grow up. Somebody, somebody on Twitter put disgusting and somebody replied to him, the small peepees or the hacking? <laughs> <laughs> Detecting a lot here. Uh, all right. I got one more. Who cares? Um, <laughs> Brad, it is 8.56. Yeah. Uh, woman who went missing two years ago discovered a live at sea. I almost used this. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yep. A uh, Colombian woman uh, had fallen she off the in the sea the whole time. No, had fallen right. off the grid two years ago. Was miracu- miraculously discovered it alive at sea by fishermen. Uh, she, thank God I was alive, said Angelica Gaitan. Gaitan, Gaitan. I don't know. Uh, by Roland Visbal while floating 102 or 1.2 miles off of Puerto Colombia. Puerto. Uh, I'm assuming that means Colombia port. Maybe. Uh, so anyway, the, the story is basically um, her backstory. Once she was identified, her backstory kind of came to light. It turns out that she had fallen out of touch. She'd kind of become a drifter and had fallen out of touch with her family two years ago. And they had no clue where she was. Um, so basically it was because of 20 years of domestic abuse that she suffered at the hands of her partner. Uh, said the abuse began in the first pregnancy. He beat me. He violently abused me. In my second pregnancy, the abuse continued. I could not get away from him because the girls were small. Uh, the tipping point. So, unfortunately, despite her reporting the al- alleged incidents to the police, they only detained the abuser for 24 hours, after which he would return home and resume assaulting her. The tipping point came in 2018 um, when he, quote, broke my face and tried to kill me. Unable to stomach the situation any longer, the distraught woman ran away and ended up staying in Barranquilla for six months. An eventual attempt to seek help at a homeless shelter failed, and she fell into a deep depression. I did not want to continue with my life, she said, who later took a bus to the beach and decided to jump into the sea. Oh, wow. Wow. So the survivor said she remembers little after that point since she became unconscious. So she was basically floating, basically unconscious in the water. And it's a wonder she her. like floated <clears throat> up. It's amazing. So the words, um, where is it? Uh, she said, uh, the son reported that the victim's first words after being rescued were, I was born again. God did not want me to die. Wow. So it's pretty Holy interesting. Shit. Yeah. I'm hoping that she can sort of turn her life around. Or live not a, turn her life around. Right. Live find, a happy life. Find some, find some yeah, happiness. Find some happiness. So her... Uh, it says local media have since located uh, her daughter who, along with her sister, is raising money to move her to their home in Bogota. Can we keep the piece of shit away from her? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I don't think the, the daughters are anywhere at this point, anywhere near. God. Um, so I think the daughters are grown. The lowest form of humanity is somebody that beats oh, 100%. a woman. Oh, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Beats a child. Yeah, like, absolutely. Uh, you're just, you're fucking lower than scum. Yep. You're lower than Donald Trump at that point. Like. And that's yeah, a low just, fucking it's, bar. It's I mean, disgusting. Yeah, it it's is. disgusting. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, sort of happy ending. Hopefully. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she was found. Hopefully, I mean, yeah. that's maybe she'll get a new lease on life and be able to, yeah, find some happiness and joy. All right. Um, from uh, WTOP News, where, where we're, news uh, happens here, where <laughs> everybody's a power bottom. Uh, wait, what? WTOP what? News, WTOP. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, the news. <laughs> get it, power bottom. See what I did there? Uh, okay. Uh, Virginia bill. Top. Virginia bill. Top. 
would ban pre-arrest sex between police and detainees. Yeah, you realize this isn't illegal in like most states. Richmond, Virginia. Like, did you know that? I mean, it's, it's insanity. Sex, so they can have sex with them before uh, yeah. and then arrest them. A bill to charge law enforcement officers with a class six felony if they engage in sexual relations with a detainee has unanimously, oh, thank God, unanimously gosh. passed both chambers of the Virginia General mm. Assembly. So these people are probably having sex with them, thinking they're going to get away, and then yes. they still arrest them. You know why? Them. Because they get away with it. Yeah. Delegate Carrie Delaney says she proposed the bill to close a loophole. Virginia law currently states that employees of correctional facilities or jails cannot have sexual relations with someone in their custody. But Delaney said current law does not make it illegal for police officers to have sexual relations with someone who has been detained but not yet arrested. Jesus. Governor Ralph Northam would need to sign the bill for it to become a law. Why he the will, so. fuck is that a loophole? Why yep. Isn't that just like common sense? Well, because all, all cops are bad. Yeah, it's true. I heard it on the news. <laughs> all right. Uh, good story. Ready? Um, good story. Good story from Tanks. Good news. Another good, another good place to follow. By yeah, the way, yeah, it's a good Instagram. Tanks a follow. lot. Yeah, Tanks. Good news. The Irish study finds Irish. dogs' heart rates go up when you tell them you love them. Thanks for the good news, Aww. mate. Isn't that great? So it turns out when you tell I your dog you love him. I was in a really grumpy mood until I got here a little early during the My interview, dog. and I went outside and played with your dog for about five minutes. She helps. She, she knows. Uh, it registers them as positive affirmations, and they react to it by raising their heart rates. Uh, so Shannon Keery is a campaign manager at Canine Cottages, the company that conducted the experiment that found out about the dog's increased heart rate. In a statement, she said, it's amazing to see that our dog's heart rate increases when they're told they are loved, showing excitement, and decreases when having cuddles, showing contentedness. Hmm. Uh, in the experiment, they hooked up dogs to measure their heart rates when put in different scenarios. So as it turns out, get this, their heart rates increase 46% when they're told, I love you. Hmm. 46 fucking percent, man. Like, that's nuts. How much does it increase? And you're like, look what you did again. You shit on the carpet yeah. again. Um, I know my heart rate decreases when Beth tells me that. Uh, that you shit on the carpet? Yeah. She rubs my, she rubs my nose in it. Uh, for humans. You deserve it. When they see their dogs, their heart rate increases by 10%. So our heart rates increase 10%. And cuddling a dog relaxes them and decreases their heart rate by 22%. So cuddling a dog huh. decreases. I mean, it, there's physiological effects to That's cuddling crazy. a dog to being around a dog. Uh, dogs show their love in a couple different ways. Um, Canine College has listed the top top ten list of ways that dogs show love, including but not limited to cuddling, showing the belly, begging, licking, kissing, jumping up, and greeting. Quinn does them all at the same time. So um, they also say that if a dog is chewing on your stuff, it also might be a sign of endearment. Usually when a dog is left alone, they look for something that smells like their owners and chews on it to release endorphins, relaxing the dog. Hmm. I've actually heard that leave like a T-shirt around if you go on vacation or something like that. Um, anyway, yeah, tell your dogs you love them. They, they, they tell like my that. cat I love her, but I don't think she cares. Dog, cats are <laughs> assholes. They don't give a shit about anything. Yeah, She's wonderful, but just a total dick. Cats just don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. What was it? Pete Holmes said you could fucking bowl a cat. Yes. The cat would leave for two months, come back covered in low yes. mane. I've, I I've literally come back. accidentally like I was walking the other day and uh, the cat came running through the kitchen. I didn't see mm -hmm. her and I kicked her as I moved, like walked <laughs> like I was yeah. just walking. Couldn't have cared less. Yeah. She just kept right on going. Yeah. Like just didn't didn't yeah. care. Whereas I shocked my dog and she looked like I betrayed her for two hours. So because you did. Yeah, I know. That yeah. was awful. There's a podcast episode where that was recorded, I'm pretty sure, because it happened that day. 
Where you you shocked your dog live on the podcast? No, no, that's the same episode where you guys tried to get me to wear the shock collar. Yeah, why didn't you ever do that? Where 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 did we land on? Because that? I took the fence out. I got rid of it. I sent it back. Oh yeah, would you wear a shock collar? No. <laughs> I'm not gonna wear. A Wait, you sure that's where we landed on? No, that's gonna, where I landed on. I just want to revisit that. Like, are we sure? Yeah, you guys go ahead and revisit that. I'm not. So anyway, Michael, what do you got? Um, product update. Wait, do we have a news feed from? No. Anybody? No. no. Okay. Uh, product update. Uh, Mountain Dew gets into the hot sauce game. <laughs> what are they doing? What is Mountain Dew not in? What are they doing? Point? They are fully committed to cleaning out you from cleaning you out from the inside out. And uh, giving you cancer. Yep. So last spring Australians got limited edition Mountain Limited Edition Mountain Dew Doritos. Um, but that's not good enough for Americans. Oh no, we are getting Mountain Dew. I never hot saw sauce. the Mountain Dew Doritos. Well, it was What's only it in Australia. Like? Citrus. I mean, citrusy. Yeah, I don't know. Mountain. I mean, citrusy Doritos. Yeah, I bet. It's, I bet it's pretty good. I try it. They're probably fine. Um, yep. So they're doing hot sauce. That's it. That's great. Yeah. Is it for sale anywhere? Probably. You know, it's your attention. To you're de- just it's your attention to detail that really drives this podcast. You're just a, you're just a font of information, Michael. Uh, I really could not possibly well, describe the flavor profile of Mountain Dew, uh, other than it tastes exactly like Mountain Dew, the hot sauce. As uh, a lemon citrus uh, flavor, uh, which certainly doesn't account for the sugar overload. I don't know what's going on in this, but yep, I'm out. I like hot sauce, but yeah, like, I try it. I, I try whatever. It. Yeah. I mean, I try it. All right. I don't see where this is like on the news. No, I don't see where it's like available. It's, I don't anywhere. see anywhere. This is limited edition. You feel like they just release new shit and like it never happens. Yeah. You feel like companies do that sometimes. Probably trying to get like, I'm going to release this thing, but like it's going to be they limited. just release it in like one Guam. part of the West coast or something like Guam. <laughs> Guam. <laughs> Guam. <laughs> What are Guam, people from Guam called? Guamanians? Yeah, that's it. Guamanians. Guamaniacs. Yeah. Guam, it's Guam, yeah. Guamaniacs. That's what they're called. Uh, so when you guys watch Lord of the Rings, do you watch the extended edition? Yes. Do you, yeah. you feel like that's better? Yes. So do I. What would, it, what would you do if I told you there was an extended edition of the Bible? <laughs> yeah, it's called the Apocrypha. Yeah, the yeah, Catholic, so, Catholics, Catholics already did this yeah, like 500 years the ago. The Apocryphal. Uh, so there, there, there are some new uh, Apocryphal... Bible texts that are out there, mostly written in ancient Greek or Latin, but have now been translated into English for the first time and compiled into a single book. The Gospel according to Jed. The texts in the Bible we know today were first canonized by the church at the end of the 4th century, uh, but before then, hundreds of other religious texts circulated across Christendom. More than 300 Christian apocryphal texts that weren't included in the final version of the Bible are known to exist today. New English translations of these leftover uh, texts uh, were recently published by Erdman's Publishing, um, and they contain some surprising tales. Um, As Live Science reports, these forgotten apocryphal texts of uh, Christianity have been brought back to the limelight in the 2020 book, New Testament apocrypha, more can, non-canonical scriptures. I read one Volume one time. Two. I don't remember which one it was. I don't think it was the Gospel of Thomas. <laughs> Jesus fucking kills a kid, like as a kid. Jesus like, kills a guy. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, they tried Boy, it. Boy, that escalated quickly. It really got out of hand. Yeah. Brick killed a guy. Christ killed a guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really weird, man. Like, and there was another one where like a bird dies and he raises it from the dead. Like there was just some weird shit, yeah. man. Like, okay. So w- one story follows a character named Bishop Basil, uh, who allegedly lived between British. Three twenty nine. That's Bishop Basil. Basil. To three seventy nine A.D. The bishop is approached by the Virgin really, Mary. Really, re- that dude was really great making a tomato sauce. I'll just tell you that right now. Yeah, All right. fucking killed it. So a lot the of bishop, spice in it. The bishop is approached by the Virgin Mary in his dreams, where she tells him to find an image of her that is not made by human hands. She instru- instructs him to place her image. On top of two columns inside the church located in, outside the city of Philippa. Uh, but at the temple, the bishop finds himself and his men fighting against. That's close to New Jersey. Fighting against a group of wizards uh, who. Philadelphia. Who knew diabolical <laughs> magic and wanted to keep him from yeah, completing the quest. So uh, fortunately, the bishop. Uh, what? Has the Virgin Mary on his side. Uh, what? It's your quest. So there's these evil wizards <laughs> that are in, in, in like apocryphal texts. Wizards? Wizards. You're, that are, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Those who did the evil de- deed uh, of impertinent magic, behold, they are blind grasping, she says to him. This is the uh, Virgin Mary. Mother Mary. Um Mother Mary comes to me. When she awakes, the Virgin Mary places her own image atop of the columns, and a stream emerges that heals people. The tale ends with the evil wizards being literally swallowed whole by the earth. The earth ate wizards. They did that shit in the Bible, though. Let it be. Yeah. Let it be, let it be, let it be, let it be. Spitting words of wisdom, let it be. The Bible did swallow earth swallowing people. That did, they did that shit in the Old Testament. Did they? Yes. Uh, Islam is a violent religion. Okay. Dash their babies' heads on the rocks. Okay, cool. All right. okay. Thanks, God. All right, Ananias and Sapphira, they held some money back. Let's fucking kill them. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> Finally, the, the long awaited. Ananias and Sapphira Trump? Yeah. Long awaited, uh, um, rejected Ohio vanity plates of 2020. <laughs> Here we go. Weren't you going to do this last yeah, was a week ago, Michael? It's not long awaited. People wait, have waited. No, they fucking Literally seven dozens days. of days. <laughs> Half a no, dozen. And I don't, don't care. B cheese. <laughs> like the letter B? B, the letter B. C H E E Z. It's Buster Cheese. It's Chucky's brother. Yeah. All right, here's one. Uh, I'll tell you what. When we do such and such as brother, those are some of the best Buster things we do. Cheese. Buster Cheese. All right. His free, his free trucks didn't make it up for us, no. <laughs> B-S-C. Buster L. Cheese just doesn't, it it just doesn't no. work. B-S-C. B-T-C-H. Basic pitch. 
B R O K driving a mini Cooper. I'm yeah. Sure. A S F broke as fuck. <laughs> okay, that's that's not bad. S H T B O X. L O C O six nine. L wait a minute. L O Loco sixty nine. <laughs> uh A two two H O L E E. Asshole. Yeah. Yeah. E A T B U T T. What was it? But Wait, what was that? What was that one? What was the license plate on that one? Uh, it was E A T B U T T. Okay. Uh, I have a four. I have a. I have a close second to beef milk. All right. G E T F U K T. Uh, anytime, anytime you misspell fucked. It is seriously. Yeah. F U K. What was it? Uh, I think it was James Hetfield on his guitar one time. Had eat fuck e e t f u k. Okay. God. M f b r o k e. Fucking broke. Here's one of my favorites. I p u l o u t. Okay, this 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 news story ended up better okay. than I thought it would be. F U C A R O L. Fuck roll. Fuck you, Carol. There's a lot of B cheese. I don't I don't get it. <laughs> it's Buster Cheese, man. It's an Ohio <laughs> it's an Ohio establishment. I feel like you find that in green like in Wisconsin, maybe. <laughs> B cheese. Two F. N C O Z Y. Too fucking cozy? <laughs> Why would you like that? See, they should just let these in. Like, you, so these are not okay, but you can have bumper stickers and flags hanging over your car that say, no more Trump 2020, no more bullshit. Yeah, I know. Right, fuck off. F1 ST 3R Fister. <laughs> 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 There's woke AF on there too. F E L O N. S H T B O X. I think we did that one. Shit box. <laughs> so good. B A N 9 B U S. Bang bus? Bang bus. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> What is F U C U R L S? Hold on a second. F U C what? U R L S. Fuck curls. Fuck you curls. Fuck curls. F U cur. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know on that one. Um. And what about this one? O F X G I V N. O F X G I V N. Yeah. Zero fucks given. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Uh, and then there's S-C-H-I-T-T. Shit. <laughs> uh, oh, here's one. One H-8-U-A-L-L. I hate you all. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> See, why is that not allowed? I don't know. Like, who cares? I don't know. God. Oh, oh, Carol. It's Carol Baskin. Here's another one. Oh, fuck you, Carol. F, F-, F- Carol B. <laughs> Carol Baskin. Guess what, motherfucker? Fuck you, Carol. Did you ever watch that, Matt? Nope. Oh, oh my it's God. so good. You have to. It's just a clusterfuck from start to finish. You'll just you'll you'll literally just sit there with your jaw on the floor the entire time. It's insane. There's a F C H I N A. Fuck China. <laughs> Jeez. Um. There is uh C R Z Y B S H. Crazy, Crazy bitch. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Michael, how many of these are you going to do? C-U-M-G-I-T. Come get. Come get. Okay. Are they British? You're a come get? I don't understand this one. It's... Becky Scott, get! K-X-K-X-X-K-K. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. It's like KKK and XXX intermingled. Who knows? <clears throat> All right, that's enough. That's Michael. enough, Michael. It's nine seventeen. T Michael F G R E G. What was that one? M F Greg. Too much fucking Greg. I don't know. All right, there's 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 literally hundreds here. So I'll. So we're gonna stop you now. So I'm going to go ahead and read them all because Here's my one. name is Michael. Uh, Michael. T T L V R two. T T L V R two. See, that's so good. That should be allowed. That should. Because here's the thing. I've got even a 13 year old. None of my kids would get that. No. None uh, of them. Uh-uh. Just let them have it. Yeah. God. All right. Uh, well, it's hard to hard to top that. Uh, all right. Um. We're doing it. That means there was a titty lover one at some point. <laughs> That's their other car. Their other car. So got much. away with that one. They grandfathered that one in. Oh. All right. So Scott Erickson is a touring painter. Oh God. Sorry, I'm Scott. So sorry. A uh, he Scott Erickson is a touring painter, performance speaker, creative uh, curate who mixes autobiography. Uh, mythology and aesthetics to create art and moments that speak to our deepest experiences. Yep. Uh, using his passion and commitment to craft, Scott, Scott has been uh, working, been a working artist for over a decade and has had his work appear on CNN, National Geographic, and various magazines, um, newspaper outlets, and book covers. Not exactly a lightweight. No. Uh, he is a co-author of Prayer, 40 Days of Practice, and May It Be So. Uh, he is the author of this book that we're talking about now called Honest Advent. Uh, he is a spiritual director for uh, to brave women and men and a professional dishwasher for his uh, food blogging wife. Um, Scott <laughs> lives in Austin, Texas, uh, is loved... Uh, is most loved by his wife, Holly, and children, Anders, Elsa, and Jones. So here is and our a conver- great Instagram follow. By yeah. The way. Oh, yeah Scott, Scott the, the painter. painter. Art is great. God is fantastic. Yep. Uh, so without further ado, here's our conversation with uh, Scott Erickson. Further up, further up, further up, further up, further up, further up. 
Scott Erickson, how in the world are you? <laughs> I'm great. I'm glad to finally be here. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, third time's a charm, buddy. Yeah, we're that's gonna, right. That's right. We're gonna do this, and it's gonna go well. Uh, we've had some technical difficulties. So, um, as I, I said earlier, but for our audience, uh, I first heard you through my brother, who saw you at a Say Yes event in Nashville, Tennessee. Spoke yeah. highly of the event. Uh, he really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's great. And then through uh, Hillary McBride, who's a friend of the podcast, who yeah. uh, um, anyone that she does work with, we just automatically trust. So yeah. we're that's that's she's yeah, she's a good gatekeeper for sure. She is. Yeah. Like, let him in. Let yes. her in. They're great. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who 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 do you think you are? <laughs> <laughs> what gives you the right? No. Uh, what, is, what is your work? Um, what, what is it that you do? Yeah. So I'm a professional artist. So when I tell people that they're like, it's like doing a magic trick. They're like, oh, okay, well, I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> so I, um, I make my living, uh, doing artwork, which, so it looks like I'm a visual artist. So I'm a painter illustrator and I do a lot of that. Uh, I'm also an, an author and, uh, as why I'm here. And I also do performance arts, um, just kind of these like multimedia storytelling events. Sometimes they're like weird liturgies or um, about things that I think overlap spirituality, but often I don't find talked about in sacred spaces. So, um, yeah, so kind of a culmination of all those things and different rhythms at different times. And that's what I do. And, and I'm making it up as I go, like Indiana Jones said in Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> nice. What's, uh, what kind, what's your religious background? I mean, did you grow up? in a church background did you come to it late what's that what's that look like yeah no i grew up in uh, a small denomination called lutheran brethren um which sounds culty but it's uh was made it was a denomination created to minister to norwegian uh immigrants so a lot of like um just if you think of like Midwest, Minnesota, mm-hmm. Norwegians, it's like that. Um, but I grew up in a church in Seattle, so a lot of like Norwegian fishermen and things like the families based on that. And uh, but very Protestant and evangelical and um, and have evolved now into the ecumenical mutt that I am. But yeah. <laughs> um, so wh- where where did your artistic journey begin uh, and, and what was the catalyst for becoming an artist? Yeah. Uh, you know, I was always a thing that I was interested in. And so I, I, I stuck with it. Um, I had some really great affirming, like a junior high teacher and a high school teacher, art teacher who were like, hey, you could probably keep going in this. And um my major in college was art and education. And then in my late twenties, I found myself being a high school art teacher and I was painting like on the side as like I, a church actually gave me, gave me a room in an attic as like a little studio for free. And so I was like practicing, but I wasn't doing anything like, I I don't know. I wasn't trying to make money off of it. I was just, it was kind of a rhythm I had in my life. And then, um, I found myself at 27 teaching. I, I distinctly remember this moment. I was in my room prep. Uh, I was in my classroom during prep period, writing stuff on the whiteboard. And I stopped and I just was, I just remember going, there's something else 
that I'm being invited to do. I just, I don't know what it is, but I, I can tell there's something else. And that kind of started this deep conversation. I ended up going into New York City to visit a friend, met a lot of artists. And, and in that trip, I realized I was like, if I never try to be an artist, whatever that means, I'll always regret it. And at the time I was single um, and didn't have a lot to lose <laughs> by doing that. And so I, you know, I waited tables and tr and pursued being an artist. I I, I do an inch. I, I do it still, but not as much. But I, um, I was I was doing this kind of like performance painting. Or at first, it started with charcoal and chalk, where I would like. It started with some friends who were in a band in college, and so I would this this uh, quartet female group, this rock band, and I would make like these giant charcoal drawings in the background during their concerts. Oh, I love um, that. And, and then when you said quartet, my into, mind eventually went to Point of Grace. I was like, <laughs> I was like he, he did work for Point of Grace. That's what happened. I know. And I for him, it. a lot of candle artwork. They ended up being a trio. But when I started, they were a foursome. And then I it just quartet was, but I was like, that sounds classical. Yeah, you're right. Point of Grace. They kept that candle burning. Yep. And uh, yeah. So I had this performance art element, which was always like, I'm in, I want people to see the kind of creative process. I'm going to translate what's going on into a visual form. And, and that ended up, I ended up doing a lot of like conferences and big events and concerts and stuff like that. And I do that a little bit now. I mean, I'm in my mid forties and I don't know if anybody wants to see a mid 40 year old man live painting at events anymore. I don't know. I don't know what the timeline on that is, but, uh, so yeah. do, I mean, we're Anyways, I actually just try to incorporate that into my live stuff. You know, it's like part of the whole thing. I've always been yeah. curious about those live type things. I've, I've been to conferences where they've done you know that somebody's on stage during worship painting this big thing and you don't know what it looks like till the end are those things i mean for you were those things spontaneous or was it like this is planned out this is how i'm gonna do this these are the, yeah. the strokes i'm gonna make at this time and that kind of thing mm -hmm. the well everybody's a bit different uh for me so usually like the people who have if they're doing it on a black canvas uh there is pencil line it is planned out. They're okay. doing this whole thing. I, um, what I was interested in doing was showing up and being like, what's happening here? And I would talk to whoever's speaking, maybe talk to the leaders and stuff. And then uh, I just would always like this image would come up out of me from that. And I guess I would say that was like prophetic, although I came from a culture that didn't really have that. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I grew up Lutheran. Uh, so like, we never talked about the Holy spirit. He's like a bad uncle that doesn't come to holidays anymore, you know? <laughs> so I don't even, even saying it now, I'm like, was it prophetic? I don't know. I just show up at things and get like four paintings and be like, okay, I'll do that and make it be some, it'd be magical. So yeah, that my process was like, what's happening and how could I translate that visual? I think there's other people who go, I have a preset thing that I want to do right, and sure. I'm just going to do that in front of you. And those cats make a lot more money than I ever did. Yeah, <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, we, we collectively, <laughs> I, I will speak for, I'll speak for Brad too. We, the three of us know very little about art. We, we just, I mean, I, we did art in school, you know, entered into art shows in junior high and high school, that kind yeah. of thing. Some of us did anyway. Um, but in, in your style to me seems to be unique. And can you talk a little bit about your approach to art? We'll get to the book eventually. I just want to talk about art for a minute because it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm reading, Brad and I are reading a book. I think Michael is too on uh, the artist Robert Irwin. Um, oh, yeah. Rob Bell says oh, it's the best book he's ever read. And we're like, oh, we're going to read that. Uh, was it uh, seeing? Halfway through it. <laughs> oh, are you really? 
Yeah, see, uh, I have it right here. Seeing yeah. is the forgetting the name of what one seeing sees. is forgetting the name of what one sees. Yeah, yeah. that's it's, awesome. It's fantastic. So I'm like all in art mode right now and just wanting to just devour it. Is it awesome? I'm like halfway through and like, is there a payoff? Somebody said there it pays off at the end, and I was like, okay. It's it's starting. It pays off more and more as I go because I okay. see I there, I see kind of what's going on behind, like what he's trying to do. Um, yeah. he's trying yeah. to get, yeah. he's trying to get to the question behind the question essentially. Yeah. And so that, that no kind of thing, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I, I got about a hundred pages and it's like, Oh, that's why he likes this book. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so can you talk about your approach to art and, and how you sort of developed your particular style and your way of doing things? Like I said, it's, it's unique, at least in the, in my experience with art, it's just a unique style. Yeah. Um, I'll start with, here's a Rob thing. I'll explain to you what I'm going to do before I do it. Uh, I will, <laughs> it's an illusion. I'll talk, I'll talk about like the form and then I'll talk about, uh, like what I hope it is doing. So the form, um, I heard an, another art teacher say there's two kinds of artists. There's add to artists and there's takeaway artists. Mm -hmm. So like a add to artist would be like a painter, like adding layers and layers and layers. A takeaway artist would be like a sculpture, like removing the rock to reveal something. And I, I love the aesthetic of wood carving, which is a takeaway. You're carving out the pieces mm -hmm. of the woods, then you're printing it and laying it down. And I started experimenting with like, but I'm trained as a painter and that's where a lot of my hours are. So I started, I was like, how can I develop a way of painting that's an add to form that looks like a takeaway form? So mm. people will often be like, Oh, are you doing like woodblock or some kind of print? I'm like, no, this is like painting, adding on, maybe there's some removing, but that's kind of where the style comes from this very, um, kind of woodblocky looking, but, uh, simplified. And that, and that's also from, uh, uh, coming from a place of design, like design, d design's greatest goal is like to have the, the most meaning in the simplest form. And that's why like logos are really, if you can make good logos, you can make a lot of money because it's, it's really hard to get like a lot of ideas in one little form. Right. right. And I guess if we're just already quoting so much Rob, you know, there's the, <laughs> there's the simplicity, complexity, and the simplicity on the other side of complexity. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what design is trying to do is like take all this complexity and get and bring out a simple thing. That's what I hope to do with mine is like it, it, it's intentionally simplistic, but it hopefully has, it's embedded and impregnant with a lot of things in it. And then uh, what I focus on has been an ongoing journey, but where I've landed is that I really, um, I want to visualize the spiritual journey. Um, it comes out of my understanding that, uh, because I grew up in a, a culture, uh, in Protestantism that had no real imagery. So I always felt like an oddball. Um, uh, I grew up in a culture of words and yet when pressed and asked, like, what are these words mean? Like, what's the picture for it? Sometimes people didn't know. They'd just be like, well, you know, Jesus is the way. And you're like, what's the way look like? Is it? And they'd be like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, is it a path? Is it a form? Is it a rhythm? Is it a dance? Is it a practice? Like, it is what it is. He's just the way. You know? like, right. Thanks. That's uh, super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is. And um, and so I it's from a long it, just from a lot of time and experience, I started to understand like, oh, our language actually is rooted in these interior images and our language is trying to describe what we're seeing externally or internally. And, um, 
where a lot of trip up is or where a lot of dysfunction is, is like this unidentified interior image that's informing your language. For example, I was like, I don't think people leave their faith because of the words. I think people leave their faith because of the bad imagery. They say, I don't believe in God anymore. And you're like, tell me the God I don't believe you don't believe in. And then they just, and then they describe, they image this God and you're like, oh yeah, I don't, believe in that God either, right? It's not the words that stopped working. It's not the word God that stopped working. It's the image that's informing the word God that stopped working for them. And so I was like, you know, in, in the symbol set of the faith tradition I grew up in, there's very little. And I was, I started going, well, how do you, um, like I, if I can tell a quick story in, uh, I lived in Seattle and, uh, this is in, this is like when I was starting to do art and stuff. And I, um, there was this great, it's still there. It's called the cupcake palace cafe Verite. It's this cupcake shop, coffee shop. It's in Ballard, which is part of Seattle next to a movie theater, lots of people all the time. And they would, they would put up art shows every month. And it was great because they didn't, they would never take money from the artists. But you, like every day, like a thousand people would see your art, which is great exposure. So I got a chance to put up my art. I had a bunch of fun stuff, like a stormtrooper icon and all these weird things. And then I had this one, (laughs) which is maybe one of my most famous or well-known images of these two people embracing. One's holding a bow. One has arrows in the back. It appeared in the first prayer book. It's about Mm -hmm. like forgiveness. It's Mm -hmm. called Forgive Thy Brother. And there was an early version of that on the wall. Uh, they had like the art walk, art night, and I was there at the table, basically like I made all this shit, you know, and <laughs> nobody, nobody cared. So I'm just sitting there, and then this like big guy in a leather jacket, very intimidating, comes up to me, and he's like, "Did you make all this stuff?" And I was like, "Yeah, sir, I did." And he, and he goes, "I love it. I think it's really great." And I was like, "Oh, thanks." And I was like, "Do you uh, have a favorite?" And he pointed to the forgiveness one, and he goes, "That's my favorite." And I, I said, oh, why? And he goes, because I get it. And I had this revelation that was like, oh, Christianity doesn't own the rights to forgiveness. It's just, it's just part of being human. Yeah. It's not like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. that image had no, no Christian symbolism, no religious symbolism at all. And yet this guy was like, I know what that, I know how hard that is or what that feels like. And for me, it was deep. It was about actually like my own uh, my own relationship with my own brother and how that's hard. And I was trying to seek forgiveness. And so so I was like, oh, yeah, what are the images for all of these things like forgiveness, like, you know, changing your life around repentance? You know, like I feel like there's lots of religious language, but really when it comes down to it, it's just like what is what is the symbology of a human existence Mm -hmm. that's trying to deal with its own uh humanity and spirituality and and that's so that's what i've been like attempting um to do over the last few years is going i want i want to create a symbol set for people's spiritual experiences that's helpful for them in getting in touch with what's going on and where they find themselves so so in in the the two books you did with justin mcroberts um and um and and even in, in this one as well um you talk about the idea to um, add new concepts to our individual spiritual practice um, and incorporating art into that spiritual practice. Um, can you talk about the importance of incorporating art into one spiritual practice? Yeah. Um, I think one of 
one of the helpful functions of, say, visual art, although I would say like musical art, film art, they all are kind of doing the same thing, is um, so a great question. This, this is how I'd phrase it. A great question, and it's I think it's actually in the prayer book. Uh, it says a great question to ask art is, what does this mean? That's a fine question. A maybe better question is to go, what is this pulling out of you? Because one of the great functions of art besides expression, besides um, telling a story, besides depicting something that happened in time, is, is especially when we get into like expressionism or impressionism or all these kind of isms, is um, it, 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 gets, it, it, it gets inside of you and exhumes your own story out of you. You come to it and go, oh, wow, this reminds me of my own experience. And then all of a sudden you're having a conversation with kind of your existence or your experience in the world. And what Justin and I premised in our prayer books was like, this isn't a book of content. These are a book of excavation tools. The content of prayer is inside of you. It's yeah. that hidden conversation that you're having with existence, God, where you find yourself. And we're giving you words and images to excavate that. I would. It's like when, if you've ever gotten in the car and you turn on the radio and a song comes on and you turn it up and you're like, ha ha, this is my song. It's like, Point what of are grace. you saying? About time. Point <laughs> of grace. Um, just can't. Keep that <laughs> oh, candle wow, burning. Takes... <laughs> yeah, who has another uh, female pop group? I will figure it out. Um, but like, it's... <laughs> What Zoe, uh, Zoe girl, I yeah. don't know, a little later for me. Um, but what it, what's happening there, what you're saying is like, this is my song. You're saying somehow the artist sonically and lyrically is right. perfectly describing what it feels like to be in my skin. Yes. And yeah. they gave words and, and feelings to that experience. And then that song becomes a vehicle to get in touch with that deep, deep content. And I would say that's why, uh, incorporating this in our practice is really important because it helps us get in touch with what we really want to talk about, what we're really thinking, what we're really feeling. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So we're like 15, 20 minutes in. We haven't even mentioned the book yet. So let's do that. Um, <laughs> Honest book, Advent. Honest the, Advent. Yeah, yeah. Go buy it right now. The book is called, yeah, the book is right called now. Honest Advent, Awakening oh. to the Wonder of God with Us, Then Here it's and here Now. It's here somewhere. It's a um, somewhere there. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The background's kind of uh, skew things a yeah. little bit. Um, it, it's weird calling it a book because it is a book in the traditional sense that it has pages and a cover, but it's it's not a book that you just sit down and just plow through. Like it, that's not what it's designed to do. Um, it's a series of readings and images for the season of Advent. Um, just can you talk about the genesis of this project? Like you said, you've done with Justin McRoberts, you've done a couple books on prayer. I think the last one was on the Lord's Prayer um, yeah. specifically. So why why Advent? What what was the genesis for this project? Uh, well, it it, ha it started four years ago in um a very similar situation that we find ourselves now it <laughs> uh we found ourselves in a very, very exhaustive and divisive election uh, uh we were seeing all these images from syria and the devastation that mm -hmm. was happening from that civil war just like entire cities demolished people displaced uh we had zika we had uh multiple mass shootings that year that were really awful um flint water crisis so all of these real deep tragedies and it just felt like after the election uh what whoever whatever way you voted after the election it i don't know i just remember walking into some kind of store and the <laughs> the christmas season decoration like had just dusted everything in society and i just remember being like 
none of this makes sense right now. Yeah. Like this feels completely irrelevant to the world I'm, I find myself in. And I, and I'm a big fan of Christmas. I am, <laughs> I put, I save it on my card, like the station that will play 24 hours of Christmas music. I will put that on the stereo and just play it all day long. I have preset Christmas mix for that. I love the lights. I decorate all the things. I have the ugly sweaters. You know what I'm saying? I love yep. the Christmas season. I'm a big fan, but it just feels like there's, you know, it's been in bed with like consumerism for a long time. So it just is like grosser and grosser every year. But what hit me, it, but it wasn't even just like the secular celebration of Christmas. It was even like the deeply Christian versions. I'm like these sanitized manger and nativity scenes and these just like, just everything just felt so not human anymore. Yeah. And I know, and I understand that like our sacred stories can stop being human. But what I, I was just like, does this, does the incarnation actually really mean like the celebration of the incarnation? Can it actually mean something for us now? Right. And at the time my wife was pregnant with our fourth or sorry. Well, God, our third child, our third and last child. Um, I said that gave me a shudder of fear because I've been had a vasectomy, but I never got it like double checked. <laughs> got the old, got the old <laughs> So I'm like, it could ever, it could happen. Um, Just playing Russian really, roulette, aren't I you? I really, I really threw myself on that one. No, th- well, <laughs> and now I brought it up, guys. I've had a vasectomy, I had a reversal, and I had another vasectomy. Oh, so I've had man. three testicle surgeries. That's not where we wanted to go on this, but I just want to let you know that that's why it's a complicated thing to bring up. When I are you going to write a book about that? Thing. Yeah, I know it's going to be a thing. Uh, anyways, like, and it's totally cliche to like, oh, you know, at churches, they'll be like, let's bring up a pregnant lady. Talk about being pregnant. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of sentiment, but I was like, look, I'm, I say this in the book. I'm like, I'm, I'm not a woman, but I, I'm married to one. I live with one and I've witnessed three pregnancies, three births, and they're anything but comfortable, safe, secure, and, <laughs> and with a lot of clarity. Right. And right. Just yeah. Like. There's a lot of uncomfortableness. There's a lot of like risk, uncertainties. Uh, there's a lot of fluids and uh, <laughs> and a lot of words that uh, vocabulary words like right. mucus plug that all of a sudden come into your life. And you're like, I didn't know I needed to know that. Um, <laughs> and so what the interest to me was, was like, well, what if I um, it seems, it, you know, God is incarnating into our world through human vulnerability. So I'm going to pay attention to human vulnerability. And I started making these like drawings and illustrations of what I just witnessed as like living with a woman who's pregnant. And I made some like very, I guess, like graphic, not like overly first, not overly sexual because there's plenty of that and we don't need that anymore, but not, but also like not sanitized either. You know, we see like these nativity paintings and it's like, <laughs> Jesus looks like three months old. He can right. hold his head up and he's like, doing well. <laughs> you know, when they hand you a new, but nobody wants a painting of a newborn baby because they look like an alien and they're all scrunched up in purple. Yeah. But I started doing these like illustrations of birth and then I just was like throwing up, th- putting them out on Instagram just with some thoughts and stuff. And I had this like overwhelming response. People were like, this is amazing. And, and a lot of responses from women who were like, I feel very honored in this. I feel like I haven't seen anything that actually honored the experience of being a pregnant woman who's had a baby. And um, 
And it, it did kindle wonder in me. And I, I just, for the last few years, have been adding more and more to that. Till this last year, I was like, hey, I have enough to make a book. So I put it together, pitched it to a publisher. And that's why this book is coming out. But it is it is a contemplation of the uh, the vulnerability of incarnation. Like not only Jesus's incarnation, but also our own incarnation and all the vulnerable places that uh, we find God in the midst of. And that, and it's, yeah, it's illustration and, and, a you know, like a thousand word meditations for each one. Yeah. And that's what it is. So in the in Hil- Hillary, Hillary was even like, it's not even really, cause she endorsed it. She's like, it's not even really a Christmas book. It just uses the filter of right. the incarnation yeah, yeah, yeah. as it's meditation. But she's like, you could read this book like any time of the year. Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it really, I mean, it really is. You mentioned the shepherds and that kind of stuff. Like you said, it's a framework, but yeah, it doesn't. I didn't get an overtly Christmas vibe from it. It's like there's paintings of Christmas trees and ornaments and shit. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, there's, a, there's a great quote, and I think it's in the, pretty sure it's in the introduction, um, where you say, nostalgia is the familiar feeling rooted in a patterned experience that gives comfort in the face of present mystery. It's probably the largest influence of church services today, and it's easy to trade nostalgia for essence. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? I love <laughs> yeah. that. I love that. I love that, that quote. That's fantastic. Oh, man. I hope this won't throw Leroy under the bus. My friend Leroy Barber, African-American minister, pa- former pastor, but Chris Gray guy. Do you know him? Do you know Leroy Barber? No, Have I, you ever met him? I, I, I've he's, not met him, but I do know who he is. Okay, he's fantastic. Uh, <laughs> he He's doing um, uh, – what is it called? Sorry, I have three children. My mind goes sometimes. <laughs> he's consulting with the Methodist church. Anyways, okay. he he he, uh, he said they had their like yearly gathering or something, and he was at it, and he just was like watching all these processions and stuff. And his his uh, his advice to them was like, nostalgia is what's going to kill your denomination. Yeah, <laughs> like your denomination is like it's not even relevant with what's going on right now. It's Absolutely. just based in like we've always done this and we always will. And and there was a fascinating conversation about like. And McRoberts gave great language to this, and that's in one of the prayer books where he goes, "What we, why we get confused with prayer is we confuse uh, the mechanics versus the essence. The mechanics are just there to help us get to the essence, but uh, but if the mechanics stops working, we got to move on to something else. Yeah. Like, and I think, uh, yeah, for, and you, you could probably speak to this too. Um, from my lifetime in church and in different various forms of leadership, like a lot of times." Uh, <laughs> the conversation can get to like, why are we even doing what we're doing? Oh, yeah. We're doing because we've always done it this way. Yep. We, we're we not even asking like, is this working anymore? It's just like, no, this is what we all, this is the way you do it. Yeah. And what constantly gives me giggles is that like, everything's made up. Like, church, <laughs> like I'm, this church in Oregon that I was a part of, I live in Austin now, a great church called Cascade, very small, not sexy at all. But, uh, I was speaking one time and I was like, if what spiritually formed us was pinatas and DJs every Sunday, that's what we would do. Yeah. And then one Sunday we did have pinatas and DJs. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, but we are, but, uh, but we're like, we're a part of a long history of women and men who know that when you get together and somebody goes, can I tell you a story? It does something to the group. Yeah. It, you know, when we get together, somebody's like, Hey, can we sing a song? And we sing a song together and it does something to us. Or we get together and somebody's like, Hey, I have a friend who's in help. Could we help them out? And we pool our money or resources and help them out. And that's like, 
it always is the same thing because it's like those are the central elements that transform us. And so that's why most sacred ser- services from any religion all kind of have the same elements because they're right. all spiritually forming. But I do think that like we find one that works for this time and then we go, that's what it's got to be forever. And I mean, this is why churches like get older and nobody young comes and then they eventually die and give it to a younger church because they go, Oh, this is how I love this mechanic. And then we just hold on to the mechanic, even if it hasn't gotten us to the essence of it. Right. Um, or even if we're in a group of people and they're like, that mechanic doesn't work for me, you know, and that, so that's kind of, that's what it's all alluding to is this, like the, the modern church service is based on, we did this a bunch of times and I like it. Let's just keep doing that, yeah. you know, versus like, is this actually working? You know? Yeah. And that's a much tougher question. Right. Yeah. So there, there's, I want to talk about some of the images in the book too. There's a, an image. I'm sure a lot of people seen it. It's been going around for a while in various forms. I know you said that you actually sort of did your own cover of it, I guess. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. the, the Mary and Eve image. And you said it wasn't yeah. original to you, but you did your own cover. Can yeah. you talk about why you decided to do that? What, why, grab that one and and can you also talk a little bit about um you do this in the book about why eve gets such a bad rap in the biblical narrative or at least in our interpretation of the biblical narrative yeah so i was at my friend's house in atlanta and i was in their bathroom and they had this picture of uh this of uh mary and eve and mary is grabbing eve's hand and placing it on her belly and uh there's like a snake wrapped around Eve's leg and then Mary's like stepping on the head. Yeah. And, and, uh, I was like, what is this image? It was originally done by sister Grace Remington. She's part of a convent in Missouri or Mississippi. I forget. Uh, I have her blessing to have done a cover. I actually, it was at a church service. I was a part of, I was doing a live painting for Christmas Eve and I ended up doing like a version of that. And then, uh, a year later of some friends of mine in a church in Raleigh called church on Morgan. They were like, Hey, can we take that image and actually put it up on our building? We want to paint it on a building. Oh. So then I digitized it and then it, and then people were like, can I buy a print? And it just kind of went from there. Um, but I have sister grace blessing to doing a cover. Uh, I had, I had to ask her if we could put it in the book, <laughs> but what, what, what got me was not, I mean, it was, a, it's, it's a very interesting, like all the theology and stuff in it. But what I saw was just like two moms having a moment together. Yeah. And that's what got me. And two moms who both who have both lost their kids too early. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if you are married or you know people or know couples who in endeavor to start a family, there's a statistic that they're going to statistical risk that they're going to like have a a miscarriage or they're going to lose a child. And we probably all know families that have lost kids too early and it's the, the most fucking devastating thing ever. Right. 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 And, uh, and I just like, I don't know that picture just helped me point in at like, and I I write in the book, like imagine they're just at this like cosmic party, you know, like, woo, did it and they just they're like they meet up and they've heard about each other and like oh yeah and then like what would their connector points be it's like i think they would connect on like motherhood yeah and then the and then this and then you go farther in that this was specific pain of like having to witness one of your kids die too early and and then and then it kind of goes back to like 
and, and part of this book also was uh, pushing back on this the shitty way that women have been treated cr- cre- treated right. in the tradition that I've grown up in diminished. Um, you know, and I say like, even biblically, it's like, Hey, this biological period, you got to go outside the camp every month. So you're, it's like your body's already unclean. Yeah. You, uh, you can't teach or you have any authority. And then, and then I grew up in a place or in a, in a time that was like, Hey, men can't ride in the car with you or ride in an elevator with you because we're too tempted to have sex with you. And you, <laughs> it's your fault for being too damn sexy, you know? Yeah. And so it's this constant diminishing the female body. And part of like the book was to go like this sacred active incarnation came through female biology and let's give it the honor it's due. But this, bringing that into eve it's like eve is at least when i grew up you know talked about is like oh yeah she like caused all the sin to happen and then she had pregnant you know pregnancy was painful and that's like all she gets and so i in the book i amused like if there was a flannel graph of her life she gets two pictures those two and look i don't believe in a in a literal narrative of this one woman who just had all the, but like, at least in the story, let's go with it. It was like, you know, what's really hard about motherhood is like having to do it, like do something first for the, you know, do it for the first time with nobody else's help. That's one of the incredible hard things about being a parent is like you get your baby, you come home and you're like, I don't know what, what the hell, what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I'm supposed to read more books about this. Like (laughs) nobody trained me, you know, like it's completely freaky and, and also can be a lot of like blame if it doesn't turn out good. Yeah. And I, I just, I wanted to have empathy of these two moms that like, we're given incredibly hard tasks, just like a lot of moms are, and that there is this like, and as a man, I will never know what it fully knows me. I will never know what it's fully like to be a mom. And I think there's this like secret society of broken hearted moms who've lost their kids too early is that like, I just, that I will never be able to relate to, but I can stand and go, let's, let's honor you. Cause that must be incredibly difficult to carry. Right. And that, and that was really my meditation on this, like the painful part of motherhood. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the meditation on the sacred, and you mentioned, you know, we, how we, we set aside our most sacred stories and it's, it's not always helpful because we sanitize them. Like we, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned this earlier, how, you know, Jesus is born. He looks like a three month old. He can hold his head up and everything's nice <laughs> yeah. and neat and clean. He's not covered in like mucus and blood and, you know, shit. And yeah. Everything all else. The fluids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. like in the, the art in this meditation Specifically, it was of a, of a naked woman in obvious labor, holding yeah. holding her stomach with one hand and her back with the other, you know, grimacing. Obviously, yeah. in the midst of you know contractions and whatnot. She's having like contractions, yeah. Yeah, and several of the images kind of going forward from that point are also very very raw and very real, uh, and kind of what you you kind of build up to that. I feel like in the book, yeah. What what do we lose? You've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but I'll, I'll ask it again. What what do we lose? when we sanitize these kinds of realities out of our sacred images? Yeah. I I mean, it's a great question. And, uh, that specific meditation, I talk about living in France for a while and living by a cathedral and seeing all these great works of art. And that really affected me, uh, where I, what I think is I understand the need, like I understand the ritual of making something sacred, like something happened 
that transformed society or culture or us and we want to give it honor and by giving it honor we probably put some like gold leaf on it maybe like making things a little bit nicer mm -hmm. and, and, and it's it's out of respect and i get that um i think the un uh like one of the places that maybe we we don't allow ourselves to give attention to is that what happens in that process is we go these spiritual events are happening to people not like myself. Right. And so we dismiss ourselves because we're aware of our our farts and our smells and our inadequacies <laughs> and our, you know, our pubic hairs and all these things. And because nobody really wants to, like I say, like nobody wants to walk into a church and see the I think my original Instagram post, I had to clean it up a little bit for Zondervan, but my Instagram post was like, <laughs> nobody wants to see the cock and balls of the King of Kings when they walk into the <laughs> Right? And so, so, and, and also it, our, our, um, our reverence implores us to hang a little loincloth over it. But it, we need to understand that that is editorializing what happened. Right. Like, that the cock and balls was exposed for all to see because that was part of the shaming process of crucifixion. And like, uh, and I think what happens when we take away the like nakedness and cellulite and the fluids and the hair and all the things is, is that we remove ourselves from thinking that that same kind of sacred moments could happen in my life as well. And so it's, it's trying to go like, I understand like how in art we've kind of sanitized it um, but let's not remove what we've got to make sure we don't remove ourselves from being able to partake in sacred and spiritual or, uh, or these kinds of stories, you know, yeah. these stories happened, you know, they're legends and passed down, but these stories happen to human beings and we're human beings. And, and my whole meditation is like, this is still happening in our midst. One of, I mean, one of the things that are, is amused for me in any kind of communicating is stuff. And I even say this at the beginning of say yes is the only re and the only reason all faith traditions tell old stories is because those old stories are still happening right now. Exactly. If they weren't happening right now, we'd stop telling those stories. It's just that telling we go like a man was asked to take his son up on a mountain and kill him, and it was and it and then the, and an offering was offered instead. And and that is very specific, but all of us have come across at some point in our lives where something we deeply loved or obsessed with, we felt like we had, we were asked to be like to give it up for yeah. something else, you know? Um, and so on and so forth. And you guys know all this stuff. So yeah, right. yeah like it's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's it. So it's, it's really going like, let's not take ourselves. Let's not see that this isn't still happening in our midst. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do use you do use the phrase "clown car of human soup," referring to birth, which <laughs> I, I don't know I've ever found an Advent devotional with that phrase in it. So, if people are looking for something unique, this is definitely the book for you. Um, and boy, with the birthing process, we've the, the between the three of us, we have seven kids, so oh, we've man. seen everything from mm -hmm. natural birth to C sections and everything in between. And it's uh, forceps, bro. It's, it's a horror show. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful, but it is also horrifying. Uh, what There's they what they what, what happens to a just, woman's body? Oh man! There's never been a birth where somebody just like the doctor just walked over, opened a latch, and a, just pulled a baby out, closed the latch. Then <laughs> it's all it's yeah. always been just like whoa! That's yeah. every human being ever. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the meditations you talk about the um, sort of the myth of the the no room in the inn. We keep hearing about that. 
And I actually found this meditation really, really insightful. I mean, the rest of them were great as well. It wasn't like this is the only one I found insightful. Um, hmm. But this one really sort of caught me because it was a completely different take on that part of the Christmas narrative that we have sort of taken for granted. Uh, but you, yeah. can you just talk about that? I'm, you're kind of, I'm, we're kind of spoiling this meditation. But can you just talk about that a little bit? Because I thought that was really interesting. Hmm. Like the, uh, do you want to talk about the historical stuff or you want to talk about like where I kind of take it about like the, the kind of like, why, why is that even in there? Like, what is it alluding uh, to? A little bit of both. And how do we, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, well, what I, I think, I think of this meditation. Yeah, I do is go like, we have this very, uh, we have this, fairly like similar or this kind of compact idea of what happened in the Christmas story yeah. that's mostly been impacted by pageants like Christmas pageants. <laughs> and so like we've taken this probably long story and compacted it. Like all these things come together really quickly and it, because that's better for like, you know, 20 minute pageants for with kids and stuff like that. But actually like, uh, there was this great census and it says that like they were there and, the, and then when the time came, so they're probably in Bethlehem for a long time and it was totally normal for people to like families to stay at homes and stuff like that. And so, um, like they were probably found themselves in the middle of like an unexpected family reunion and they're at a relative's house and there's probably a lot of people in the house. And so, uh, why there was, uh, they were maybe staying in a room that where you would keep the animals at night, maybe like a bottom room or something like that. And so there's just a lot of myth, uh, about what it all is. Um, but really like it's there cause we, I, I think what, what the, the tradition says, like there, we should infer a lot of shame. Like there was, or, or no, like they sh showed up and like all the La Quinta inns were gone and there was an innkeeper's <laughs> like, sorry, don't have any room, but I have compassion on you. Here's my like back shed and you can be in there. And really that's not true at all. They were probably at family's house and they were, they had a room for them. But I was like, it's interesting that the author still says there's no room for them. And you're like, was not like one uncle or cousin, like, whoa, yeah, whoa. Right cousin mary's pregnant oh take my room like why yeah. I, you know like there's still something that the author is like embedding in there like there was still something funky yeah about the whole thing and and where i go with it is like you know we're all born into family family dynamics and that can be weird and awkward and and what's what's odd and painful about families is that they uh, they evolve and grow and people can evolve and grow into ways that you don't like or expect. And, uh, and I'm have some friends over and we've been talking a lot about that it comes up a lot. We, you know, with the political season right now and <laughs> um, and also and I don't put this blatantly in there, but uh, I really wrote this for my LBGTQ. Sure. I plus all the things friends who were like you found yourself in a family dynamic. And, um, it might not work out for you. Yeah. You might find yourself at a family reunion where, um, there's no room at that yeah. end for you anymore. Sure. And, uh, but like in your journey, just like in, the, and I, I kind of bring up certain, like you may find like strangers who celebrate who you are. And maybe even go around town singing songs about it. You might find some strangers, international strangers who one day give you gifts. You yeah, know, you right. might find some like town elders who can see past all the like dumb rhetoric and go, I still see the gift of your incarnation. Yeah. And and my prayer, it, it almost is like a prayer. I can't speak for the almighty, but like 
I was just like, you know, uh, it Jesus's incarnation didn't turn out the way everybody expected, but yet there was still a room. And I believe that there'll still be a room provided for you too. And that's where I get to is like, like the finding ourselves in family dynamics, it, it's complicated. Yeah. Uh, but like, it doesn't mean that our incarnation is a curse. It might be perceived as like shameful or didn't work out the way it's supposed to happen. But, uh, but really that it comes back to God and God, I think God is still providing a place for all of us to find uh, a, a room to be in. And yeah. so it's ma- God is making room for us. And yeah. that, and that's kind of what I'm playing with in a lot of different from, <laughs> from historical right, yeah. narrative to like now to friends, to family, my, and my own pain and all of that. And yeah. Yeah, oh, it's like, you're well, the only person who's ever brought, who's ever talked about that. Really, I don't even. Think I found it. I just found knows. it fascinating. I just, I re, it was yeah, such yeah, a yeah. unique take on. I had never thought of it in those terms. It's like, I mean, it's like yeah. what you're when you're talking about what you're talking about is like what Thomas Burton said when he says, "What we have to be is what we are." Like you, yeah. all you have to be is your own incarnation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you don't yeah. owe anybody anything. You just have to be your own incarnation. Period. Full stop. Yeah, but that for some people is an offense, you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that is the, and that is the, like, I remember talking with a guy who, (laughs) you know, he was like, I think this is when I lived in Portland, he was moving to Portland. He was wanting to get into the photography world and like the fashion world and stuff. And he he was obviously coming from like a very, uh, kind of conservative Christian place. And he's like, I don't know. There's just like a lot of gay people in this, uh, (laughs) industry and stuff (laughs) like that. And I, I, you know, I'm going to bring Jesus to them and stuff. And I was like, Hey man, uh, how I can, about you? Don't? I, can t- <laughs> I can tell you that, um, all of these people have already talked to Jesus. Yeah. Like to, to, to come to the conclusion that you are gay or to accept that you're gay is a spiritual conversation. Yeah. At least every friend that I've had has said, I had to go, does God hate me or not? Yeah. Because like me deciding that I'm gay is like an offense to a large part of the population. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's yeah, already a spiritual conversation. And I was like, I don't, you don't need to bring Jesus. Jesus already at, Jesus is already there. Yeah. If you're willing to listen, you'll already find him in the midst of that community. Absolutely. If that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah and I think I probably said, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> or, don't you try. Just, just be, keep your just mouth do your shut. your job well, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the meditation on the, you mentioned the Magi, the people bringing gifts. Um, you know, you, you have this quote that I thought was a great quote. The truth of the Magi's journey is what is truly transformed. Excuse me. Let me try that again. The truth of the Magi's journey <laughs> is what is truly trans- transformational for us, that God places patterns inside us that will be revealed in the pattern of the exterior world. I want you to talk about that a little bit because that, yeah. the idea of having patterns inside of us, I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah, so these um, kind of rich, political, you know, stargazing hippies, I don't know, from Persia. You know, there's a lot of like, oh, because of Daniel and Babylon and all this kind of stuff. You know, you guys know the story. Right. But what I think is interesting about their journey is not that they were like, star, let's go. You know, because like back then traveling was not easy. You know, it was like, we're going to go. There's going to be marauders and no air conditioning and, you know, camel humps and all this stuff Um, (laughs) or horses. It wasn't like, let's just take the train over and see if there's a baby. Uh, But (laughs) what impelled impelled them wasn't seeing a star in the sky. What impelled them was this deep 
probably long desire to go who made all this yeah why are we here how do we get in touch with that giver that maker and they were like seekers of that and when they saw us when they heard of a prophecy and then they saw it in the sky they're like that inward desire is being revealed in an outward manifestation yeah. that inward pattern of desire is being shown to me in the world yeah. and it's giving me a direction and saying come and find me and we i think we if we look at our lives maybe not in big epic ways like stars in the sky but like we can see that those same exterior patterns have led us have drawn out the interior patterns in us you know yeah like from from a desire I, i'm not sure if that's the one where i talk about like Oh, it was when I was going to quit my job waiting tables to pursue art full time. <laughs> and I kept like asking all these like other artists I knew and they're like, you just have to step out. You just have to step out. And so I was like driving to work and I was going to put in my two weeks and it was like the world was a chorus of affirmation. I was like the song on the radio was <laughs> like uh, it was like a Tom Petty's like I got to get I got to keep on. I got to get going. It's like from Wildflowers uh, like the billboard signs were like, take a risk, step out. You know, it was all the stuff like even the geese in the sky were like migrating and going, it's time for a change. And I just like I, <laughs> I was like, I knew I needed to make this move. And then the world affirmed me. Like the natural world yeah. was like, yeah, and billboard world. Yeah, Comcast, <laughs> they're doing That's fantastic. And so, yeah. Um, so, that's, so that's what I was getting to in that is like that's that's how we see. Again, it's like <laughs> it's like how is this story still happening today? Yeah, you right. Know? Yeah, for you, for you personally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like it, like we can relate to the Magi, not yeah. because we – not because we love spices, you know, but like because we we have that. Some of us do like spices, though. So you know, yeah, like a little yeah, cu- a little really a little cumin here and there, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're gonna we're gonna be respectful of your time. We're gonna wrap it up here in a few minutes. But uh, do you have a do you have a favorite image in the book? Uh, wow, that's a great question. Do I have a famous favorite image? Uh, yeah. My my favorite is the one um, I think it's called. It's in the chapter called "Break." Uh oh, we're losing him. Oh, you you froze just a smidge. You went into slow motion. Are you there? It's of uh, Mary just. Yeah, what's happening? Give me a go. I'm Whoa. moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm moving. Hey, I can is hear it, you now. Back? Yeah, yeah, uh, you, yeah. You glitched out there for you, a minute. It's like you slowed down. Oh, you went, you went full Max Headroom. and then you caught yourself. But we could hear your <laughs> old words coming the same time as your new words. It was weird. We just jumped great. into a uh, time continuum right there. So, uh, favorite yeah. image from Breaking. We caught that part. Break. It's from Breaking. Yes. It's yeah. this image of Mary uh, having the baby. And my original image, because it was only two colors, it's gold, but it's red. It's blood. Yeah, you know, right. she, she's like kind of sitting in her own blood yeah. holding this baby. Yeah. And um, I just – I think – my wife never had a home birth, uh, but I saw all the fluids. Yeah. And uh, I just think that one – I know I made it, but it's still really hits me. Yeah. Like, cause yeah. I think it's so, it's so vulnerable. It's so, 
like animal, like mammal, yes. like yeah, just yeah, yeah. like this, this biological body made this other body. Yeah. And then this other person came out. Like that's the that's the paradox. You know, I think the uh, like the paradox of life is like I could explain technically what birth is and we can explain technically how babies are formed and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But why do we cry when they come out? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah. Because you know what's happening. But then when like all of a sudden a new person comes into the world, you're just like, (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) It's a, it just, it's like a, it is like a, it's like a lightning bolt, a breaking between like, you know, what's going on, but you also are like, what just happened? Yeah. All of a sudden there's a new person in the world. Like I, one of the things that changes you the most, at least in your idea of God is becoming a parent. I'm not saying that people can't have a idea of God. um, That's good without being a parent, but I wouldn't, birth and being a parent changes everything that you think about the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. At least for me. Yep. And I, and I think that image is trying to get that just like, it's not just words and prophecies anymore. It's this little writing thing that's still attached to me inside my placenta uterus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, okay. So, uh, what, People need to go buy the book. It's called Honest Advent. Um, and just to, to prove our point, so several of the people who have endorsed this book have been on this podcast. Uh, I'm going to go through it real quick. Uh, <laughs> Justin McRoberts has been on the podcast. Um, he endorsed this book, shockingly. I'm surprised he did. <laughs> um, uh, Brian Zant, friend of the podcast, been on several times. Um, we have got Hillary McBride. Um, Jonathan Merritt, who's been on the podcast, yep. recommended it. Uh, Mike McCarg um, mm-hmm. has been on. And then uh, what made me even like took me out of my uh, out of myself was you have uh, Ariel Astoria. Yeah. Um, I, I just discovered her like music um, like a week and a half ago. She's coming on the podcast next week. I'm so excited. She's oh, great. So, She's so good. Yeah. Um, so everyone needs to go buy the book. Um, do you have time for a lightning hey, round? I didn't mention Paul Young who wrote the shack. Yeah. He hasn't, oh, he hasn't been, <laughs> he hasn't been on the podcast, but you had like Paul Young. You've got, we, we haven't invited him on yet. Maybe one day. Um, yeah, you've Sarah Groves. I mean, it's a, it's a veritable who's who, man. Yeah. It's awesome. Oh, you froze. Yeah, I'm not on internet. Yeah, it froze just for a minute. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, okay, let's do a lightning round real quick. Great. Um, what is your favorite? What is your beverage of choice? Uh, I'm transitioning from bourbon to scotch. The bourbon is my drink of choice. Like a preferred bourbon? Uh, I mean, my go-to always is bullet rye. But um, if what have I been loving lately? That's maybe a little higher end. Um, Oh, they have this one here in Texas. It's called uh, Reverend Oak, and it's kind of like a peaty bourbon. So it's kind of like a little scotch bourbon 
hybrid. Yeah. Oh man. It's I love really a good, good. I love a good eyelay. So that's yes, right yeah. in my wheelhouse. <clears throat> um, what is the last album you listened to start to finish? Oh, I listen. I mean, just curious. I listened to Sufjan's latest album, uh, the Ascension. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite TV show of all time? <laughs> the, okay. Here. I watched all of lost and then hated the ending. Yeah. And so my, uh, that question is like, do I feel like the ending was satisfying? Um, I gotta say my favorite, although I did like the ending of the leftovers, uh, my favorite so far, my most satisfying ending has been Battlestar Galactica. Nice. <laughs> well, Michael just made Be- a new friend. Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> well, before we, we put the, the friend stamp on it, uh, what's your problem with Star Wars? Oh. Um, the, the sequel specifically. These last three? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, five. They're, I mean, there's, there's Solo and Rogue One, too. I loved Rogue One. Okay. I uh, do think that I think what we learned from Rogue One is that the magic of Star Wars is the Jedi. So if you take the Jedi out, you're like, well, it's just space fighting, which is great. But Rogue One's probably one of the strongest ones. Uh, Solo was, was it was okay. Um, here's what I didn't <laughs> like. Um, I'm a. Is this supposed to be fast? Because I could go off this a little bit, but like it's fine. Um, this is more important than anything else. Th- this is this is what this is what I get frustrated about is with films was when they don't adhere to their rules and i know this is a, like a little bit too nerdy but this is why we're talking about this is like uh like marvel universe they've stuck to their rules science mike has been helping with them uh you know like uh we know that in reality if you were to go out in a spaceship into space and you're going to airlock and close it and if you were to like go out in space and like take off your helmet what would happen is all the water in your body would evaporate and you would like shrivel up and look like a mummy that's what we know to be true. Although I don't think it's ever happened to anybody, but that's what they suppose. It, sh- it showed in this movie, Red Planet, they tried to depict it. We know in the Marvel Universe that you can go out into space for like 30 seconds, 45 seconds before you die. You'll just get like really frosty and stuff. And they've said that and they've kept that true throughout it. I know that in Empire Strikes Back, they land the Millennium Falcon in an asteroid tunnel and they get out from shaking. Yes. They're, they're that, they just get out in their normal clothes. And they're wearing a nebulizer mask. <laughs> yeah, just nothing. So I understand. So you're upset Princess say, Leia wasn't wearing a nebulizer mask. No. Here's my problem. In uh, Force Awakens, the Starkiller base. The Starkiller base is like, what it does is it sucks energy from a sun and then puts it in a, a giant laser and then shoots that laser and blows up all the planets in a, in a galaxy and destroys our life. And I'm like, you don't have to take the power of the sun and put it in a laser to destroy all life in a galaxy. If you destroy a sun, all life in the galaxy <laughs> dies. The only way that life happens is because of a star and i'm just like what the and people are like that's a little too much and i'm like well what are your rules like if there's no rules then just make the millennium falcon a convertible you know and like just (laughs) not deal with gravity i'd be fine with that too you know what i'm saying like we can give little levities and some breaking of rules and stuff that's fine but i'm just like and and then it was just like a recreation of star wars yeah and then ryan and i liked i wanted to like uh 
The Last Jedi, but I was just like, Ryan Johnson's just fucking with the whole thing. No, it was great. Last Jedi was great. And I, I, I could no, go on. I think yeah. they could have done Luke Skywalker way better. That cop out, like, no, he's just floating at home. I was like, fuck you. No, no. So, mad <laughs> so I think you have to look at, at Luke at Luke Skywalker through the lens of um, he is a man who's been hurt by a religion. He's isolated himself and cut himself off from that church. and Which is great. Yes. All the way up. All the way up. I was like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in on, I'm in on this, uh, like, uh, sad Luke. I'm in on yeah. sad Luke. Uh, but it was just the, like, how he, he died. Was in, he was projecting himself across the universe. And then after that, he just disappears. I was like, write it differently. Have him show up, do a different kind of showdown. Like, let him die with some different. I don't know. I just was like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before we all before right. this starts into a fist fight, agree to disagree. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, what's the best sitcom theme song? I mean, the most memorable is Full House from my childhood. I don't like it, but it's just it's there. It is memorable. Easy to, yeah, it's easy right. to access. It's the first thing that came up. And I was like, all right, everywhere you look. Everywhere yeah. you look. Wait, um, is that Full House? Yeah, that's Full House. Is that Full House? Yeah, 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 yeah. I got thrown, I got thrown by Step by Step, maybe. Yeah. I was like, is it, Step by Step? It's pretty close. Yeah. The same guy wrote it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Perfect. That's all we've got, man. Uh, where can people find you online? That's great. I am most active on Instagram for communicating, and I'm Scott the Painter at Instagram. Uh, my website is scotterickssonart.com, and then everything for the book is at honestadvent.com. And uh, those are the easiest ways to get a hold of me. Follow him on Instagram. It's a good follow. Yeah. It's yeah, a really thanks, good, really good follow. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, nice. man. I'm glad to be a part of this uh, uh, pastored family now. So yeah. thank you for having <laughs> Welcome. me. Welcome. I don't know that you want to claim us. A lot of people don't want to claim us. They're like, mm-hmm. where, are the, where are the uncle people forget to invite? Here's the thing with, with Hillary <laughs> McBride. We're, we're, Hillary McBride is like, uh, we trust people like we are the bottom of the people she will associate herself with. We're at the, <laughs> so anyone else that she associates with is, is going to be a little bit higher standard than we are. She just comes slumming with oh, us occasionally. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> no, she's a good, she's a she's, good hand. She's wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks Scott. Thanks Scott. Well, thank you guys. It's been really fun. Yeah. Have a good one, buddy. Get fucked. What to us? <laughs> Jesus, Michael. One stars get fucked to us. Oh, okay. Fuck them. No five stars. Oh well. Twitter. So we should check in that uh, that feedback section for the foreseeable future. Brad. What? Twitter. Uh, we can get a reservation for two or two fifteen on that. Let's pick one. I don't care. That's all they got available. All right, this one. <clears throat> um. Pleather for white people at Dave the Explorer. Glad there wasn't an online betting option for Pastor's Podcast 227. I would have lost big betting on Onan. <laughs> uh, it was good hearing the second unit all together in one place. Knew it was going to be good, but wondered early the how you would ever chose a hashtag. The second hashtag unit. heroin because I of I love ethics. sausage. The second unit. Uh... Brandon Andrews at Brandon Andrews hashtag back to buckskin. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going back to Buckskin. God, so he, tiny. He's going to ride that Buckskin train until there's nothing left uh, of it. Chris Stoker at Chris underscore Stoker. Stoker, no. never heard of her. Multiple years of listening to Pastor's podcast, and they still can surprise me with the dichotomy of reverent and irreverent. Hashtag Bubby cared. Hashtag that's that. not milk. Hashtag giving birth in reverse. Where um, the guy who's the bottom is on the top. Right. Right. The guy who's on the top is on the bottom. <laughs> Wow. Stop playing that. Well, also, Pleather for White People at David Explorer. White submitted Pleather for White People consistency. submitted this fact. A single sperm has 37.5 megabytes of DNA information in it. What that means 21 megabytes. That means that a normal ejaculation represents a data transfer of 1,587 terabytes. It's a lot of terabytes. It's a lot of terabytes. A lot of terabytes. Yeah. wonder if Terra... No, stop it. Just, Michael, stop. Bites. Hit the button, Michael. All right, 215 on the 24th red bar. Okay, well, there it is. What 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 are we doing here? What what, what button should I be hitting? Uh, oh, yeah, that one. I forgot about the hashtags. Did you not write any? I think I have a... I've got some. I've got two. Really? They're, they're not even from our conversation. Uh, hashtag sewing my wild oast. Uh, sorry. I'm trying to see if I got that. Brad yeah, I set fucking okay. forgot about hashtags completely. Uh, hashtag beef milk. <laughs> hashtag pigeon forge without the mountains. Hashtag Christian Steve Perry. If you want <laughs> mountains, you should really go to Las Vegas. Hashtag blood bagel. Oh, god damn, man. Hashtag Christ killed a guy. <laughs> Christ killed a guy. Hashtag. There was a horse and a man on fire, and I stabbed a guy with a trident. Hashtag Philadelphia. <laughs> Hashtag Buster Cheese. Hashtag, Hashtag get fucked, but it's F U K T. Get fucked. That's, that's all I've got. Uh, uh, Hashtag the cock and balls of the king of kings. Yep. Wow. That's my favorite. What That's a Scott Erickson quote. Yeah. yeah. I think it's got to be that. The, the cock and balls of the king of kings. Make the Millennium Falcon a convertible. Hashtag beef milk. Hashtag pigeon forge with more humidity. Oh, man. Beef milk is pretty good. Hashtag Biff Newton. Wayne's brother. Biff Newton. Hashtag between the cheeks of love. Ugh. Hashtag you fat twat. Hashtag Guamaniacs. <laughs> uh, 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 what about Guamaniacs now? <laughs> what? what is it, Jesus Christ? Hashtag eat butt. <laughs> <laughs> so succinct. And to the point... <laughs> Stop! I wrote down. I only have Put two. that backfield in motion. Boy, that's subtle. That's as subtle as uh, was it Led Zeppelin? Squeeze this lemon and let the juice run down my leg. Yeah. Which, by the way, he stole from Robert Johnson. Yeah. Fun fact. That's a that's a straight up a Robert Johnson lyric. Um, Blues legend. I had I had a vasectomy, 
um, and uh, <laughs> cock and balls of the King of Kings. <laughs> the only two I had. I was not prepared. I, I like beef milk a lot. <laughs> I like I really like Biff Newton <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. or uh, Buster Cheese. <laughs> Michael, what do you like? Uh, like a nap? Are we bo- are God. we boring you? Yeah, no Jesus kidding. Jesus, Christ. go fuck yourself. I I barely remember the first part of this podcast, which was consecutive. Was technically, the be- second part of the podcast. Between the cheeks of love. <laughs> I like uh, cock and balls of the King of Kings, and then there was a uh, beef milk. I'm fine with beef, beef. Let's go with beef milk. All right. Well, it's that time again, ladies and gentlemen. Two twenty nine. If you've listened to this episode in its entirety, hit us up on social media with the hashtag beef milk, the beef milk of a thousand cows. Um, we are on Twitter at Pastors Podcast. At Paulie Name Matt. At MJ Basinger. We are Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. You can go there to see our, our uh, distractathon for the election night. Uh, we are on Facebook.com slash Pastors Podcast. Instagram, we're in Glorious Bastards. Uh, support for this podcast comes from listeners like you. Subscribe, bring review us on Apple Podcasts. Check out our website in GloriousPastards.com. Support us uh, to get access to our bonus podcast by surrounding and help shape the content of the show. Patreon. Dot com slash Pastors Podcast. And subscribe to us on Facebook for the Distractathon. Yeah, and and if you want to leave a voicemail, leave a voicemail for that for that uh, Distractathon. What do you? No political questions. What? Get fucked. What? Jeez, play me so the, horny. It's, not the taste. it's a Max, consistency. Man. Not the taste, consistency. (laughs) Look at all this fresh meat! (laughs) She was happy with little Dicky. That's three inches of wonderful. I love sausage. Six inches in front of your face! Okay. This may be harder than you think. I ain't gonna smell it if that's what you (laughs) want. Good God!